92.5 The Vault is WLSD AM 1220 and on 92.5 FM W223 AA Big Stone Gap, Norton, Virginia. Everybody. Hey, everybody. I say, hey, you say. Everybody. <laughs> That's right. What do I win? Welcome to Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants, the podcast that learns along with you. <laughs> we are uh, Dave and Jordan. We uh, sure are. Try to guess who's who, but we're going to finish John Henry today. We're in the back half. We're in the a, back quarter. I wanted to talk in general. We have a lot to get to, but I wanted to talk to you about the, the final five. Yeah, about the vibe of this. They might be giants do a, a thing that's interesting to me, which is like a lot of the the, the latter third or yeah. fourth of an album. It's almost kind of like a bunch of B-sides in another context yeah. in a way. They're kind of almost, yeah. They're kind of short songs, they're weirder songs. Take more chances. They yeah, they take that's a that's a more positive way. <laughs> that's Dave's more positive than I me am. somehow. People always have said that. Yeah. about me. Yeah, it's like they're they're a little more experimental. They're they don't they feel a little more like classic they might be giants in some ways, some of them. It's interesting when that happens on John Henry, which is like more of an accessible rock yes. album. But mainstream. They, they still manage to kind of do the I, we need like a term for this, like the TMBG final five or whatever. I don't know, like a weird, like, oh, here's some weird extra songs that are gonna close it's this. Album like if you've out. made it this far. That's Ex what I would say. Oh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, yeah, I feel like our, our previous episode, we talked about, I think, some of the best standout songs of their yes. career. This one isn't quite like that, though I'm, I'm very, very fond of these songs. For sure. But they're definitely sort of a weird, it's a weird section of the album. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, kind of the polar opposite of what they do at the beginning of the album, which is like yeah. all the singles right at the mm -hmm. front. The first song in this section of the album section of the album. I'll, this is what I'll say. It has the a lot last of, quarter. A lot of personality is what I'll say. The, yeah, we are up to... She's got a great personality. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that can be a bad thing. Track something. 16. 16, thank you. Thermostat. Thermostat, Dave. Yeah. Uh, what do you think car, of car thermostat? Car crash song, yeah. Another car crash song. It's at least heavily implied. Right. <laughs> I feel like there's no other way their path is going except in a fiery I car crash. I think now Rator has yeah. expired. Well, that's always exciting. I, I think, yeah, we're Love not it. done with the car crashes, which not is amazing. Yeah. But there's, this, the car crash in this one is a little more, uh, it's a little more oblique and, and mm -hmm. kind of in almost in the background of the story i don't know it's like a weird um i kind of wasn't even picking up on it until i was really studying the lyrics today yeah well so what do you think of thermostat i like it uh i like the horns mm. i mean you gotta talk about the horns the we horn will. arrangement it's a very well constructed song yeah it's complicated you know i yeah. did something i don't usually do i was like i'm gonna 
I'm going to look up the chords. I'm going to get inside yeah, the mind of, of the song and I'm just going to like play it. And it's like, man, it's hard to play. I don't blame them for not doing it live. I mean, they're, yeah. they're obviously better musicians than me, so they could do it. But it, man, it's just constantly moving. It's like the chords. I mean, this is sort of Linnell's actual writing style is mm-hmm. the chords just keep changing every few yeah. seconds, you know, and and it goes up and down the guitar very weirdly. Yeah. It's like, uh, nah, nah, like, nah, like goes up and then it goes down. I know it's actually funny. I don't know if this is ever intentional or if, I mean, I know like Andy Partridge of XDC, when he writes songs, he, he says that the way the chords sound is what inspires the lyrics and the topic. Mm. He's like, oh, this song sounds like autumn, autumnal or whatever. And then, I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> the word life. autumnal. The word autumnal <laughs> and that uh, this song sounds autumnal. Uh, autumnal. <laughs> yeah. You can't even say it. Um, so it's like, think it. I wonder if Linnell was, was writing this song and he's like, yeah, up and down. It's good. Cause yeah. if you look at the chords, it really is. It, it, that's what it's like on the guitar. I would say in my top five songs about thermostats. Yeah. Well, so I was re-listening to some of our Brian Doherty interview and the main thing he said about this song is that he just, he mentioned, he said to their, their manager, Jamie Kipman, he's like, it's funny that Linnell writes about thermostats. Yeah. And Jamie was like, yeah, it is. That's mainly what he told us about this song. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I, I used to kind of skip this one. Ooh. This was a lower yeah. tier song for me. And it still is, um, even though I appreciate a lot about it, especially its complexity musically. And I do like the lyrics, but mm-hmm. th- I think there's something about how repetitive it is, which I was not prepared for. And uh, factory showroom songs get even more repetitive. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. But there's only 13 of those. That's right. That's true. And th- this is a song where sometimes I think I've been like, ah, I just want to get to the next one. Hmm. You want to get to Window. Window, yeah. <laughs> the hit song, <laughs> which I, I love, but we'll, we'll get to that. I think now when I listen to John Henry, I don't skip it. But I, I was curious if you... I don't you, skip shit. I'm curious if you, just on a quality level, like, do you... Where does this rank for you? I mean, again, it's my favorite... One of my favorite albums, so it's it's hard to say there's, like, a lesser song on yeah. your favorite album. But I think, you know, a number 16, this is about right for yeah, that. That's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. That's a good I love point. the song. Yeah. It's a great song. But, like you said, stacking it up... Uh, next to the ones we did last time, mm-hmm. it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's no, uh, you know, no one knows my plan. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's actually a good point because it's on that same album and it's, it has a similar arrangement, similar yeah. texture, but one just really moves me. And this one is maybe this one's a little too confounding. Not that I don't know what's happening in the lyrics, yeah. but it's more just like, why, what, what's the fixation on the thermostat going up and down? I think yeah. I cracked it a little in, in preparing for this episode, but, um, I think it's about hell. Oh, that's not, I like that. <laughs> why not? Cause the guy died. He went to hell. And yeah. It's like, oh, it's too cold because some people good. say hell is cold. A lot know? of TMBG narrators go to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and there's there's more coming up in the future. Yeah. That's funny. Um, well, also, hell is like, I, I always think of hell as like more minor inconveniences than like a I, huge spectacle. I think to John Linnell, especially. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of his songs are about these these little annoying. I mean, right. he's almost like the Larry David of, uh, <laughs> of rock. Um, well, it's like that quote hell is other people. So, yeah. I like other people. I wonder who thought of that quote. <laughs> Some, <laughs> Some fucking asshole, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, I'm the asshole. Um, <laughs> Am I the asshole? <laughs> yeah, it's like all, yeah, everyone else is, is the hell. I don't know, hot makes me think of hell, especially in a song where someone died. Yeah. Assuming. Well, 
Let's try to understand the song here. We'll talk about, I have a lot to say about the music, but we'll, we'll talk about- What do you want to do? You want to do lyrics first? <laughs> yeah, I'm in a- Lyrics or music? Lyrics mood. Let's do lyrics first. Let's flip it. Yeah. Let's flip the script. So I, I, I was debated about when to do this, but I think I'll just do it. He's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, of my, one of the most interesting things about this song that I, I haven't really seen people talk about is the original live versions. The early versions had mm-hmm. like very different lyrics. And I think it might, it, maybe it'll help I us. I didn't know that. Maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll help expand your mind, Dave. Wasn't aware. Maybe it'll help us crack the code of the song. Um, so we all okay. know what the real lyrics are. And it's, you know. The, the lyrics are a little confusing the way they're worded. Sure. It's a little bit of that. I think we talked I'll last time that. of adding extra syllables. Well, so is the original lyrics, lines? he's describing, I mean, this is the, to, to be very uh, general, I think he's describing the process of artificial intelligence, kind of, uh, you know, the the machine in the car is, so, mm-hmm. the, okay, this is what I gathered. Well, and I only, I only thought of this today is like the general idea of the, of the narrator here is that he doesn't trust his own car. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he doesn't trust it. He says, when the hand that operates the motor lose control of the lever. That's him though, right? So that's him. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Oh, see, you're, you're right. It is it's throwing me for a bit of a loop. The second line is definitely the yeah. car. When the mind of its own in the wheel. In the wheel. Which is weird because the wheel is like rubber. Like that's not even a machine really. It's attached to a machine. But you know, like when you let go of the wheel, sometimes it turns. Well, now in these newfangled cars. These new this, cars. These millennials these days. Uh. These iGen. These cars think for themselves. The car yesterday, I was driving home. It's like the cars think more than the people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's elect the cars to office. Yeah. When I was driving home from New Jersey yesterday, because I was <laughs> I was at a fitting for a joke or two, which I'm not allowed to say. I was driving home. I, I almost got into an accident and the car stopped itself for me and gave out a horrible beeping noise. Like, you're a fucking idiot, beep, beep, beep. And it, it stopped short, the yeah. brake. It pressed on, the, I felt the brake go down. The car also has a thing where it like it controls in the lanes. Like if you drift out of a lane, it yeah. can see the lines. What does the car need you for? <laughs> it can see, it can to like, yeah, I guess to like stink it up or whatever. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a stinky guy. Stink up the joint. Yeah, it, it can sw- very gently push itself back into a lane if you start to drift, which mm. I've done on long drives I'm like, you know what? I'll turn this fucking thing on because yeah. I'm tired, um, which is weird because it almost encourages you to not pay attention as much because you you have a backup plan. When the indicator says you're out of oil, should you continue driving anyway? So this is the thing where I'm yeah. like, oh, he doesn't trust what the indicator says. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'm like, I, I'm, you know, car stuff is stressful. So like when when the thing says, oh, low on oil, like, I, you know, you uh, t- I feel like it's normal to ignore it for a, a <laughs> few weeks. Um, which I've done. Yeah. Even right now, our car is like constantly flashing that there's something misaligned with the tire. But I got it checked out and they said it's fine, but it won't go away, the light, and it stresses me out. You gotta like, put a piece of black tape over it. Yeah, that was the joke in The Simpsons. Yeah. I just watched a few days that's, ago. That's what I'm referencing. Oh my God, wow. Right. Well, anyway. You got it. He doesn't trust the car. And then the next line where he describes the thermostat, there's a thermostat that regulates temperature that might not be a reliable that should be disconnected. We, so he's like, why doesn't he trust the thermostat? Can we pause a second, though? Maybe this is a stupid question. There's a thermostat in the car? I think of a thermostat yeah. in a house. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? There's a thermostat in the car. So you'll notice, for example, um, when it's really cold out, yeah. it's like all the way down to like the left. 
And then as it the engine warms up, it starts to go up, yeah. up towards. I mean, the I guess middle. let me rephrase that. I know, I know there is one in a car, but it, isn't it is more it commonly called, associated with a home? Yeah, I, I haven't heard it called a thermostat in yeah. a car, which is it's a little so. But anyway, yeah, I'm not a car person. Yeah. So it's like, oh, do they call it a thermostat? Um, I don't know. Not a car person either. But I, I had nothing to contribute. Here's what I want to do. I want to come back. Yeah. I mentioned this a long time ago. Let's listen to the original lyrics. Oh, right. You were talking about I, that. Well, I, I wanted to get some of the real lyrics yeah. first. Check these out, Dave. That, that blew my mind very when I heard it. So it's probably hard for uh, you to hear exactly what he's saying because I listened to it a bunch and I typed out the lyrics. He's saying, or he's singing, when I'm ready to go out on a safari, I'll go on a safari. Uh, I won't ask any, he's very determined mm-hmm. to go on the safari, this character. Um, I won't ask anybody for directions. I'll just step on the accelerator. Now, that's a funny line. Yeah. Um, he's just like, I'm just going to go. I don't know where Let's it is. I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I'm going to go on a safari and just step on the gas. Um, when the bus runs completely out of oil, let's continue driving anyway. So this, this puts the song in a bus originally. Mm-hmm. And then in the chorus, he says, turn in, turn it up when the cold makes you frown instead of brings you down, <laughs> which I thought was interesting, not to jump ahead to the chorus, but the chorus in the song, he rhymes down with down like four times, yeah. <laughs> which is like a strange thing that I never noticed until reading the lyrics now. So in that one, he's like, oh, I better put a different word. Hmm. But he just, I think makes you frown is a little uh, awkward sounding. Yeah, it's not as good. So you think the song, here's the question. Kind of a deep question, mm-hmm. something to think about for, for a few uh, weeks. What is God? Is he still on the safari in the new version or did he drop this? Is that the un, like under right. under everything or is he just like, this is not about a safari anymore? <laughs> First instinct, he dropped the safari. He dropped angle. the safari. He could, be, he could be driving anywhere. He could be in yeah. this New, is a very New York. Like, yeah. He could be in this is a car. Mexico. Right. Yeah. This is like a car tour kind of. Mm-hmm. song now that's right yeah, yeah. so I, I thought it was interesting though that the original lyrics is just like he's showing how irresponsible he is because like i'm just mm-hmm. gonna drive and not I'm, i won't ask for directions yeah that's a certain kind of personality <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> um it that's a yeah that's a certain kind of person and i'm wondering well is this the same person in the new song and i don't want to spend all this time just talking about the lyrics he didn't end up using anyway but i thought it was really uh, interesting well the person in the new one seems to be more a, a victim of you know the the spooky car yeah or maybe or he's he's delusional and he's just like yeah Christine he's just like I don't trust this car because I'm he's crazy or something I mean or he's just paranoid or maybe mm-hmm. it's just the car is malfunctioning all the time and he doesn't want to blame himself for not getting it fixed maybe I'm talking about myself yeah, yeah. myself <laughs> you got something to get off your chest um, <laughs> I'll do it when I have time let's talk about the arrangement a bit of the song. I really like the jangly guitar that's throughout the verses, like, ding, 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 mm-hmm, you know, yeah. like it's a cool sound. It's like one of those things where I'm like, oh, they should do that on more songs. It's like, 
very uh like i don't know it's kind of this cool it's almost like 80s ish in a way kind of xtc ish i don't know i have very small frame of reference i, I don't know many other bands i'm sorry more like finger picking and yeah it's like the tone of it is cool it's like yeah. it sounds this sounds very different to me from from other songs of theirs um in sounds that sounds like just my evil twin a little bit yeah you're right that is yeah. that does kind of have that yeah and it works with the, the strange chord progression that is like going up and down the guitar and then yeah there the chorus has these cool like flansburg's doing this like a guitar solos yeah. during it like you know very um, big guitars yeah it's and he's, it sounds pretty like it sounds a little loose not too planned out that regulates the temperature that might not be reliable that should be disconnected turn it up turn it well the horns are so exact over everything yes the horns are they're the star of the the start the show, and I think maybe this is a good time to cut to. I I talked to Stephen Bernstein, who plays trumpet on this. Yeah, I talked to him without Dave. I wasn't here. Uh, <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Dave got to take the day off. Yeah, probably to do work. Probably <laughs> actual work. Um, <laughs> Stephen Bernstein had a lot to say about the recording of the song. Actually, very cool. And it was a little. It was a little intense and yeah. a little. I can uh, see it in your eyes. Oh my god! It was. It made. Me, it, I was scared. Here is Stephen Bernstein discussing recording thermostat. Let's listen. I haven't heard this yet either. Oh my god! I did have a weird experience where the producer was, you know, he was a very good producer. Yeah, he's from like a different mindset. Yeah, Paul Fox. There was a little period before I was like got to be old enough to say something, where people would like. They were trying to get horns to sound more like synths. Hmm. And so they'd make you like do multiple, multiple, multiple takes once you'd already gotten a good take. Sure. It's before Pro Tools and everything, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so like they, you'd lose a good take off them. Like they like, like they, if they weren't enough tracks. They'd do it over a previous track. Wow. You know, what happened when I got a little older, I used to tell producers, I said, hey, man, like, you like, do you like the Beatles? Oh, I love the Beatles. And, I said, and what about uh, Silence on the Stone? Oh, I love Silence on the Stone. I said, and, and Aretha Franklin? Oh, I love that music. I go, well, all that music's out of tune with like wrong notes. Yeah. So <laughs> what you like about that is the feeling. So if you're just trying to get this over and over again so it's like perfect, that's not what music is about. Music is about like trying to like capture like a moment. And the problem with horns after three times, that moment's gone, man. You're just getting tired. And Interesting. It was a, a it was a nerve-wracking session for me. I remember, and it was like one of those things, like, oh yeah, don't ever let this happen to you again. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got it. They they made a they were able to get a, a good recording out of it, mm -hmm. but it was hard work because we had already lost those initial takes of like really getting it, you know. Would you say it's similar to like getting a great vocal take if you had to pick like a comparison? Because I don't know yeah. much about playing the trumpet or any uh, horns, really. But I don't think vocals get as tired. I mean, really, okay. imagine how, how hard a vocal gets, especially like horn parts. I mean, look, there are great studio musicians who mm. what they do is they can play things over and over and over again. And sure. as I've gotten older and stronger, I've gotten smarter. Mm. When you're young, that certainly was not my forte to be able to play like the same like hard horn part 10 times in a row well, i've like, never thought of it that way i, I didn't know yeah that. i could do it two or three times in a row and then it's diminishing returns you know 
No, with the horns, man, with good horn players, we, we will get the first time. Mm-hmm. Like the feeling, you know? Like, we know how to do this stuff. We just nail it, you know? Yeah. But again, there might be a little glitch, a little this, a little that, but, you know, this is what we do, you know? Especially like rock horns where you like hold, believe it or not, holding notes out is the hardest thing on horns. Oh, sure, sure. I believe it. <laughs> People go like, what's so hard about that? It's a bunch of whole notes. Well, guess what? You play them over and over again, your chops, there's no blood in the chop, you know? Wow. It's what's, what's seemingly simple. Yes, it's simple, but it's hard to do 10 times in a row. Wow. Well, I'll say this. It doesn't come across at all in the re- recording. No, no. That's what I'm trying to say. They managed to get a good record out of it for sure. Yeah. The guy's a good producer. He knew what he was doing. It's the end of thermostat. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's what it was. It was the end of thermostat, which was like, I don't know if you listen, but it's like a, a minute long mm-hmm. straight, like, and it never stops. It's just like the thing goes on and on. And we played it like a, a band horn section would play it, which is like with a lot of energy. And then he made us keep doing it and things you kind of can't keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Not not the way we were playing it, and it kind of like really burnt us out. And uh, that's what it was. That's wow. that's all it was. Was that one thing? So what what was the recording of thermostat like for you? Well, that was the one that was that got difficult because mm-hmm. it's a, what we call a long blow. So you like you if you don't play a horn, you understand like the hardest. Thing. It's not complicated at all. It's like the simplest part in the world. To be mm-hmm. honest, it's actually the simplest thing on the whole record. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. It's just it's just there's no place to breathe. It's just that 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 and you know it's just you have to keep doing it. It's so it's a fade out kind of on the album, but for in real life you can't fade out. You just play it and play it and then uh after the fact the producer fades it out. Right. So who knows how long we don't even know how long you guys kept playing that. I know, right. So anyway, and that that's all that's all I remember about that that one was a drag. And honestly, I can hear it. So only when I listen to it, it's like, ah, the end isn't so good. Man. Oh wow. Because he didn't get he didn't keep the really good beginning performances because hmm. and then and also, you know, I also wasn't that experienced. I mean, I was experienced. I'd been making records for maybe five, six, seven years, but mm-hmm. not like now. I would have probably approached it a little different, you know, like I didn't really know about like the stone style of horn playing. I would have I think I would have made it a little more like Jim Price and Bobby Keith. I mean it's but he went. That producer went to liked it anyway. I mean, it's very tight sounding, but that you know, that's what he wanted. He wanted it to be like that. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to play. It's just hard to do it over and over again, <laughs> forever. Do you remember the other guys, Kurt and I think it's Kevin, right, on trombone? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember them sharing the, this sentiment that you have that they're you were you all on the same boat? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, this is a drag. Man. We got to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. Like, so we just did it, and then again, it's like, oh man, oh really he was a real professional producer. Like I didn't want to, yeah. I don't want to seem like I'm putting him down. I'm just saying like, oh, no, it no, was no. a hard, it was, it was a hard session. Yeah. <laughs> it was maybe the hardest horn session I'd ever had in my life. It was like a bit traumatic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Wow. Steven Bernstein. Difficult. I mean, like I told him, it does sound great. It's, you know, you yeah, can't tell stellar. that there's any difficulties, um, but I can imagine that that fade out at the end. I mean, not to jump ahead to the end, but but like that could have gone for how, who right. knows how long. Maybe you even forgot to press record some of those times. Yeah. you know, <laughs> that, the little prank, Paul Fox. He's the like, prankster. okay, now let's do it for real. Yeah, um, let's let's talk about some more of these these lyrics, as they call them. That's what the kids are calling them. Yeah. Lyrics. I, I so here's when I when I said I used to skip the song. I, I loved the verses. I think it was the chorus that yeah. made me be like, okay, I, I feel like I got it. 
Uh, <laughs> no, the chorus is like the earworm, though. The earworm. Like, yeah, it's true. like turn it up, turn it down. Turn it up, turn it up, and the cold brings you down. I used to almost think this was like a little bit making fun of pop lyrics. Like, really? Like, oh, turn it up. Like yeah. a dance move. Right, exactly. Like, oh, do the thermostat. Go yeah. up, go down, go up, go down. Yeah. Well, and, and also, like, there's how many, like, songs are <laughs> and you about. Hip, and you hop, and you hip, yes, and you hop. All those songs. <laughs> yeah. How many songs are about, like, turning up the noise, you know? Turning it, yeah, kind of like, man, it's so loud in here, kind of like, yeah. this is the DJ. dumb club music. That's an interesting angle. Thank you. Oh, yeah. When, when then the, he says, turn it down. He's like, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Turn it, it's funny. Oh, like, turn it up, like the slang, like, turn it up? Yeah. yeah Let's turn up this chorus. Okay, turn it back down. Yeah, well, we know Linnell draws a lot from his life, so we know all of his club going probably contributed to the, yeah. this uh, song. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, it's weird that he just says down, down, down all so many times. I, I wonder if it's meant to give a, the idea of an um, obsessive narrator mm -hmm. who's just constantly turning the thermostat up and yeah. down because he doesn't trust it. Like, I think I wrote in my notes, I said, so he doesn't trust the thermostat in the car or anything in the car, like the oil indicator, he doesn't trust it, so he turns it all the way up and it explodes, which I think <laughs> is the second the second verse. So I think that's the, basically the story. If you had to summarize the story, hmm. he's just constantly turning the thermostat. Maybe he's just really cold. And, and until, because he's like, well, it's not accurate. I'm just going to keep <laughs> turning it up. And then the car explodes in flames, which is very yeah. funny. I mean, that's almost like a comic strip panel right. uh, kind of thing. <laughs> it is funny. Researching it and, and thinking about it for this episode was the first time I found the song funny, hmm. uh, which is like happens a lot on this show. Or I'm like, oh, it's funny. Right. Um, Everything gets funnier in time. Yeah. As I was just saying, as I was just telling you a minute ago, I was just talking and someone interrupted. Or was it a loud explosion? Or is the thermostat engulfed in flames? Or is it just me? So the second verse, it's a very classic Linnell thing where he's distracted and loses uh -huh. his train of thought, which it's funny because I was like, what's the other songs where he does that? But I like couldn't think of it, which is kind of like the narrator. Whoa. So that, so I'll let it go. Um, <laughs> as I was just saying, as I was just telling you a minute ago, the the wiki TMBW mentions that he says this line at exactly one minute in the yeah. song. I have skepticism. It is true. I'm skeptical of if that's like on purpose. Mm -hmm. It might've just happened, but you know, if it is on purpose, I guess kudos. Brilliant. Yeah, like there you go. I don't know if that was intended or not. It might've just happened. He says, I was just, it kind of reminds me of like the birdhouse in your soul. Like I'm your only friend. I'm not your only friend, but like he's yeah. going back and forth and he's, it's it's kind of the kind of lyrics. I mean, it's, it's very specifically for like a Linnell thing where you don't really see pop song lyrics that like lose their <laughs> focus. Right, and, and repeat themselves and- yeah, like phrase things in a different way, but yeah, basically or, saying the same thing. Yeah, like Destination Moon, where there's this narrator who's not in reality. Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, it's like something you don't see a lot or hear a lot, rather. But uh, I was just talking and someone interrupted, or was it a loud explosion? Which is like, that's a joke, mm -hmm. right? I think it's funny. It's kind of, it does kind of capture the shock of when there's an explosion or a car accident. Like, uh -huh. you, you can't pro, there's a few seconds where you can't, your brain isn't processing. 
what happens really. Like these, the, these things don't happen. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or is the thermostat engulfed in flames or is it just me? I guess they're both engulfed. Yes. Well, so that's like a play on the like pickup line. Like, is it yeah. hot in here or is it just me? Or, or is, is it just is, you? Is it just you? Yeah. Is it just <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah. You I wouldn't guess. say it's just me. I, I guess you would I'm if, the you're like, thing in here. if you're like a super dick, and I mean that in every level, uh, <laughs> you could say that. But yeah, I mean, that's a funny line from Linnell. And, but it's also interesting because he's kind of melding the man and the machine in that line. Because right. he's like, I can't tell which is in, on fire, me or the machine, right? right? That's kind of, it helps like solidify some of those themes in the song it's the classic battle of man versus machine yeah, which is the john henry theme I, I wanted to bring that around oh too my right my god we talked about this go back to episode one everyone go back listen to all three hours of that turn around we discussed how the john henry uh legend or whatever <laughs> what's it called lore lore uh, legends and fable lore. is all about the idea of this man versus machine and this song really encapsulate. I mean, in a way, this song might Damn. be kind of a centerpiece of the album in that sense. This might be the best song on the album. Oh my God. I, I We did it. it. Out. We did it again. We can move on. I just want to talk about a few more musical things. No. I wanted to make note of the bass line in the chorus. It's something you probably noticed. Yeah, that's um, all I can notice in anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of a curse. Yeah. So wait, yeah, what do you think of that bass line? You want to hear it again? Yeah. Great uh, arpeggios. Yeah. So if anyone if anyone yeah. doesn't know how to what how to hear a bass, it's going like fucking listen. It's going like <laughs> do 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 do. It's like really uh, active, very like you know, it's very precise and it's like really fun. It's kind of running up and down the neck with arpeggios. Yeah, and it's doing a moving yeah. bass line. It's very nice. Because with a bass, it's like you could kind of attach yourself to different parts of the rhythm. Like he could he yeah. could do more like what the trumpets are going, like do, 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 mm-hmm. do, or the kick drum, right? But this is doing kind of like a very like counting the beats yeah. almost exactly like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, it's four. It's what right? I call lead bass. Lead bass. That's oh. what I call Where it's kind of doing a more melodic uh, front and center thing. Yeah, that was always, even though I used to not like the song as it's much. like what Brian Ritchie does a lot. I always did, yeah, I always did like the bass line. And other bass players. Other bass players exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, he ba- comes to mind a lot. Basie Jackson. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, first and foremost, though, because he usually just makes something like very melodic. I mean, like, whatever, Blister in the Sun is him, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. The line you remember is the bass. That's right. Well, don't tell Gordon Gano that. Well, um, let's not get into that. But yeah, yeah. So as the song is ending, there's uh, the there's a blazing flange, guitar, blazing guitar. Oh yeah, I love what Flansburg is doing on the guitar. It gets a little more. I, mean, I feel like in the mix they raise it up a bit so you can really hear it. Um, it's a little more subtly mixed in the other parts. And you got like a flange on the vocal, which again I think it's like it's like he's turning into a machine or something. Hmm. Like his voice is getting less and less human sounding. It's getting that kind of robotic, yeah. and it's subtle. It's not hitting you over the head, but it's like a subtle flange. Let's listen to the how the song ends, and also let's give a prayer to Stephen Bernstein uh, for, <laughs> as we listen and think about how tired, how how tiring and hard this was to perform. And let's all appreciate it, children.
Ooh, nice fill. Yes, uh, special uh, yeah. attention to those drum fills, Brian Darty. That's the best thing about like a fade out in a song is yeah. everyone can start going a little crazy, you know? Um, yeah, Brian, we didn't really talk about his drums yeah. much on this song, but it's it's a complex song. I don't know what time signature it's in, but whatever it's in, the instruments are doing because it's going do 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 do. Yeah. do you know it's it's kind of interesting and things and are coming in and out of different times and yeah because that's almost pop it in, like pop one it two out. three one two three I don't know I'm, I'm not like a, this isn't my area of expertise so sorry if someone's listening and like uh, we, cringing right now <laughs> we just tracked drums last weekend so I was like Ooh. very keyed into like what the drums are doing in the fade out I was just like oh that's a good fill keep that yeah yeah <laughs> I mean my if you want some advice Dave as as, as I'm an elder uh, statesman of music. Uh-huh. <laughs> just kidding. I just said that to annoy you. Um, it worked. No, like I always, even with a lot of things with with music or with or act, eating. directing actors, yeah, with eating or directing actors or whatever in soon films, like I always like to be like, oh, for the last take, just go crazy. Yeah. And it's just like, that's often what you want to use because it's, it's like, that's what you want to hear on an album. Well, we already finished, so thanks for this advice now. <laughs> I wish I knew to tell him to have fun in the studio. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me to have fun? Yeah, yeah. Be um, a person. So, yeah, that's Thermostat. Uh, I love how it goes into the next track. I mean, uh -huh, I, I will yeah. say, we've said this about John Henry. The, the, Good the flow is so great. This song fades out and the next one comes in in just a perfect way. Yeah. I'm very excited to talk about this next song. Are you? It, it, we are, it is a personal favorite. I don't know why. Yeah. Window. Look at all the people in the Checking out the people in the window I was uncomfortable Now I'm uncomfortable The trouble I encountered When I thought it was, it was a window Window <laughs> I love this song uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a minute long. I, I, it's funny, I didn't register that for a really long time. Wow, feels longer. It feels longer because it feels so full. And, and yeah. this that reminds me Epic. of classic They Might Be Giants songs that you'd have on Lincoln or Miscellaneous T, these yeah. minute, minute, 10 second songs where you're like, I just see it as a full song. Uh, Windows. There's a lot of ideas there, that's why. Yeah, and, and musically, there's a lot of like really great compositional stuff. Yes, yeah. Oh, like what? I'm curious what you mean. Well, because there's like bare Do instruments. Do you have evidence, Dave? <laughs> I just mean with like dynamics, like, you know, first first verse, it's just him and the vocal. And then when the... Which I didn't even know, and there's no bass. Right. When I was listening and, and writing my thoughts, I was like, oh, there's just guitars and piano. He's smashing a piano, yeah. like boom, boom, boom. And then there's like a total tonal shift where there's sort of like... Uh, I don't know what what would you consider those instruments sounding like. I, well, I wrote in my notes. It's like a TikTok. Uh, yeah, I don't mean the app. I mean like a clock. <laughs> yeah, there's like some wood blocks <laughs> it's or like something. Like a TikTok jam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wood and blocks like, and yeah, like some yeah. weird synth sound maybe or some kind of woodwind esque sound. This is kind of like the your own worst enemy of John Henry. It's like the Linnell. Linnell yeah. in his own little kind of world doing a little song. He's kind of doing like a lot of things in a short amount of time. Yeah. And then everything comes in together and it's almost oh. like a different song. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. This song just does a lot for me. I don't know. It's very, I find it very funny. I find it very mysterious too, though. And it's not I just find it funny. a little disturbing. Just, yeah, it, it is. Well, actually, <laughs> just a tinge. I have a lot to say about the, the disturbing nature if we want to talk about the lyrics first. Can we do that? Can we do that again? Lyrics first? <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do lyrics first. Oh, right. So I, I wanted to just give like kind of a backdrop for the lyrics because obviously the lyrics are pretty open ended. 
Uh, I don't agree. No pun intended. Open like a window could be. Uh, I think it's very clear. (laughs) The best kinds of no pun intended are where you have to explain (laughs) what the pun might have been. Anyway, um, here's just... This might be just unnecessary. Maybe I'll cut it out. This is just John Linnell. He mentions looking out a window in this little interview clip. Fascinating. And uh, (laughs) uh, here we go. This is him talking about uh, being on tour. It's from 1990. Did you start doodling and then thinking of uh, little subjects to uh, to, to pen songs on? Sometimes. You know, it's hard to write on the road, though. I think we need, like, a full day of peace and quiet and... You know, staring out the window time to really come up with good songs. So Linnell here says, you know, he'll stare out the window and and maybe he's just being kind of metaphorical or casual in how he's saying this. But I think that's an interesting, he's kind of um, equating that with thinking of ideas and creativity. Mm -hmm. Here's another thing. This is the only really other clip of them like talking about this topic. But um, this is them talking about the tried and true TMBG topic, where did their name come from? Uh-huh. And I thought this uh, had an interesting parallel with Window. You've probably been asked this more times than you want, but was there any significance in the line in the George C. Scott film? Well, you know, in, in some ways I think it's an apt name because it has this kind of allied, you know, uh, we think of it as kind of a paranoid name. I think, you know, we think of it as like somebody who's kind of cowering inside their house, looking out the window, going like, there's something out there and we don't know what it is. That's interesting. I mean, the thing is, in the lyrics, though, look at all the people in the window. In the window, not so out the window. Yeah, so it's... He's out, in a human out, zoo. Out looking in, not in looking out. Maybe he's in, you know, like Brainiac or the Collector in Marvel. Of course. Nerd alert. <laughs> he, like, collects different species yeah. that are going to... I guess the Brainiac was a ripoff of the Collector. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> read your Marvel, people. No, um... Yeah, that's kind of you think think of that. You think yeah. it's a human zoo. I'm putting words in your mouth, but Dave thinks everyone it's about a human zoo. <laughs> Do you agree with how wrong he is? Tweet at us. No, just kidding. I just don't know if you know how literal are we supposed to take uh, the perspective of out looking in or whatever. Looking in or looking out. Yeah, yeah. the word choice. There's very few lyrics, but yeah. you got to figure the what are what is there is if, very intentional. And if the first line is "Look at all the people in the window," it's someone looking into some activity like a house like a stalker maybe that's funny because that kind of has a parallel with no one knows my plan where people are seeing in a window a possible Mm. murder that happened Yeah, yeah. yeah but i'm just trying to think like if it is reversed because i do have a story about what you told me this song was about years ago oh is it is it what i was about to say maybe (laughs) yeah what I don't know. Say it. <laughs> oh, well, I just in a very uh, in a post on the news group, Chris Stangle kind of casually mentioned once that he thought the song was about a department store mannequin. Yeah. OK. About, That's it. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, I'm, I'm touched that you remember my remembering yeah. of, of what Chris Stangle said. It's um, it's infected my brain. It kind of <laughs> years and years. Well, it's, you know, it's funny. That's his post kind of did that to me, too. I just never forgot uh, those interpretations because they were interesting to me. Um, not just his, but other people's too. But he was kind of he did yeah. a lot of them. Um, so then, someone looking in, looking at the people, quote unquote, that are mannequins. Oh well, he said he, it was from the point of view. Yeah, of Yeah, that's what is fucking my shit up. <laughs> yeah, well, so because when he says it's it's like a catalog, 
um, that kind of brings the idea of a clothing store into yeah. it, mm. which, you know, that might be the idea behind that word choice, or it might not be. <laughs> but you, when you have a song that has so few lyrics, you mm. got to kind of attach to to what is there and, and be like, well, why did he say that word? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's kind of all you have. I think it could work either way. Well, it's funny. I think it could be the mannequin. Look, if the mannequin is looking through the window, it's just like, uh, who's looking at who? You know what I'm saying? I think that is that could be part of it. The song could could be anywhere. He could be in yeah. a prison. He could be in a mm -hmm. spaceship. Like you really don't. He could be looking at the Earth and being like, "Look at all the people in that." Right. Uh, or, or in an airplane, or I don't know, or in a car. Maybe it's another car crash song. Or like a rear window thing. You know, somebody in yeah. a window looking through at another window. That's right. Yeah, windows. I don't know. Windows and windows. Windows people. Yeah, I mean, when someone goes in a window, that's like a car crash kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the idea, but. Yeah, I mean, he says, I was uncomfortable, now I'm uncomfortable. So he hasn't had any change. I got it. There I was, know what there, it's about. There's no character arc there. He's the same as when he started. It was a guy looking in a department store window and then got turned into a mannequin. Oh, like like reverse mannequin, the movie. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> it's mannequin. Like a Twilight Zone. Imagine or if the movie Mannequin was about the reverse. They're <laughs> then not the much. Second half, was, <laughs> he just, just doesn't move or he's talk. He's standing still. Yeah. He's trapped in a hell. <laughs> it was like to be like an Andy Warhol, like yeah. art house movie where it's just like he's just. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a horrifying <laughs> premise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like House of Wax. Yeah, exactly. That, I think that's what it's about. Except he doesn't even have a consciousness because he's a mannequin. It's like, that's it for him. It's basically like he's died. He died. Yeah. It's a Twilight Zone where a guy like covets yeah. new clothing on a mannequin or whatever. And it's like, yeah. oh, you can have all these clothes every day and all these different changes if you were the mannequin. Yeah. It's like if I was a carpenter, if I was a, if I was a mannequin. Steve um, Jones now knows what it's like to have all that he wants in the Twilight Zone. Oh, is that what? Oh, you're doing Rod Serling. It's a terrible one. <laughs> Steve Jones. There you go. I got it. Jo oh, I'll, Jones. I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the You'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge. Yeah. I'll be the judge of you. That's okay. We'll cut all this. Next. No, I like it. Um. Well, look, the main uh, thing we have to talk about with Window is the way John Linnell is singing. Right. We buried the lead. Uh, yeah, exactly. I know everyone's waiting for this. First, I want to just play a very brief clip that we've already done because this is this is really the backdrop of this, and it's from our Brian Doherty thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play too many things that we've already put out on episodes, but this is what Brian Doherty told. This is, I think, what got the idea in my yeah. head because I, I couldn't the remember straight it. dope. Yeah. This is what Brian Doherty told us about Window. I can't recall the name of the band that was out at the at that time mm -hmm. but they had a singer I, I remember me and Linnell used to talk about the singers that would sing like this yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we would joke and I'd right. be like why why do singers in bands like rock bands are singing like especially in the 90s yeah sing like this yeah like I didn't want to say his name but you did any better I was like why why and um so that band wait a second is it the crash test dummies oh yeah yeah they do that too so yeah and then gunning for you too and and um Calling so you out. I could be wrong. Linnell, forgive me if, if I'm if yeah, this yeah. isn't the story, but and I think that that, that could have been why we decided Linnell decided to do it like this. So our friend Dan Daniel, you know Daniel. I'm aware of his existence. Um, he sent me a great email. He kind of helped me out here. Yeah. He put a little load off my back. He talked all he sent me an email. What he put a he put a load <laughs> on my I back. Didn't, I didn't say anything. 
<laughs> Dan- Daniel put a load on my back and no, he took it off my back. Yep. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Go on. Daniel took a load off my, well, what, how else would you say it? Daniel off your mind. No, but loads go on your back. I, I know from experience. <laughs> I believe you. Historically, yeah. the back catches the loads. <laughs> Daniel helped you. Daniel helped. Thank you. Yeah. Daniel helped me. He wrote me an email, which I'm going to read some of, but he, he says that there's actually a name for this style mm-hmm. of singing, which, which is from this very 90s, early, mid, some late 90s. Very specific style of singing. He says, I guess in, it might be an urban slang for mm-hmm. it, or it's not in the dictionary, but people call it yarbling. <laughs> and and this is this is what he says. Mm. He says it basically comes originally from Lane Staley of Alice in Chains, but then was really used more distinctly and consistently by Eddie Vedder. That's what I And said. then Daniel kind of wrote out like a timeline of these mm-hmm. and a few choice songs. And I, I also found songs myself. Mm-hmm. Um so what I'm going to do for you is is play some of I made a little compilation of some lyrics of, of some singing singers doing yarbling and what you're going to hear and just to give you context it starts with Alice in Chains in 1990 it goes to Pearl Jam then there, it also goes to Stone Temple Pilots in you know 92 yeah. I put some Crash Test Dummies in 93 nice. Crash Test Dummies to me is 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 even though he sings like so much like that yeah. the band I don't really think of them as alternative rock I think of them almost more as like uh like a co- like they're kind of like an XTC kind of ecology thing. Yeah, but they were lumped in with those bands. Yeah, they were. But it's funny because when I was listening to some of their album for this, I was like, oh, this is so XTC. That's crazy. And they cover XTC on the same album. So I'm not just telling tales out of school. But um, so, yeah. So and I also tried. <laughs> I made a special effort to find a few songs that share some lyrics to Window. Uh, mm. So you might notice some of that. Uh, cool. So here's here's this compilation. It's about a minute. So what Brian Darty and other people like me and Daniel think is that Linnell is going for this. Okay. That window is kind of a parody of this singing. And then I have other stuff to back this up. Enjoy the music, everyone. Told me it was 
This is the most fun I've ever seen Dave have on this show. I really liked most of I those I took songs. Dave back to his teen years. Seriously, man. I mean, me too, in, in a way. Um, uh, great songs. Yeah, Dave sang along that whole, maybe I'll put it in there with it. So yeah, I, it's funny hearing those all together. They all sound like the same guy. And that's interesting. I mean, I'm not putting it, it down. Um, there are just like, there are trends that happen with singing it's just right. such a specific voice that it's fascinating. And, you know, Daniel wrote a really lengthy email about this, and he talked about um, – this was kind of just an interesting little postscript to this. He goes, as the uh, – and there's an article all about yarbling that I read, too. <laughs> I may I'll post a link to it on our Twitter, at Don't Let's Pod. Um, he goes, as the article points out, it got really big after the grunge era in the late 90s and into the 2000s. And this is Daniel talking. I thought this was the weirdest thing at the time. I remember hearing Creed yeah, and just thinking say. they're just ripping off music from like five years ago. Yeah. It also kind of points to how ahead of the curve TMBG were. Yeah, like John Linnell, like and Flansburg is good at this too. Like they see these trends happening and, and parody them and mm-hmm. sat, you know, do satire of them. Well, they're very perceptive. And it's like it's so it's it was intuitive. It was so in the now that you almost don't notice it happening when it's yeah. when it's in the now happening. Um, I wanted to give more context to this because I have some clips of them live making fun of this kind of singing. Yeah. I've got I've got a few. This is them doing Anna Ng and as John Linnell says, this is the alternative rock version uh-huh. of Anna Ng. So strap yourself in for this. I'm going to probably play a, a good amount of it. This is the uh, alternative rock version of this song. We were a little late jumping onto that bandwagon, but we feel like, you know, we want to take control of the whole genre, make it around so that when people look back, those guys, that is their thing. They wore the wool caps, you know, those guys. We want to start singing like Cher. Right. All right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. I like it. I think it's better. <laughs> that is the best version. It, it's finally there's some emotion in the yeah. song, right? Come on. It was always so flat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you can't hear, Lene, they joke around at that clip. They say Linnell says they're going to wear wool caps and Flansburg says they're going to sing like Cher, which he also says in this other clip I'm going to play. Uh, he basically compares that yarbling to huh. sh- what Cher does, which is kind of, you can kind of hear it, right? It's like, oh, do you in life after yeah. love? Yeah. No, no applause. None, Here, give, so none given. This, <laughs> that's my autobiography. <laughs> this is a, one of my favorite uh, John Linnell things he's done live. And this is the one I think we saw, which is that, and this might not be the exact genre, but I think it's pretty close. But basically they're doing Spin the Dial mm-hmm. and a very alternative rock song right. comes on 
and he's he basically broadcasts his like hatred for this kind of songwriting which i i thought was really funny mm-hmm. and i agree with it too so check this out i love this Well, you know, there's bands that do it good, and there's bands that don't do it good, because it kind of became a parody of itself. Like, I don't think Eddie Vedder was trying to do a voice, you know? So yeah, Linnell was saying <laughs> mel- melody over and over. I, I was, I, I, if we were, the, it's funny because with all these bootlegs, I literally don't know if I was there or if I just have heard the, <laughs> the bootleg a million times and I put myself there. Yeah. It did like hit something in my, I was like, oh, I remember this. They may have done it more than once. Yeah. Well, so here's another time where, where this is where Flansburg makes fun of that. And this is specifically making fun of Pearl Jam. So I think that's y- the like one I remember. Thing. Oh, really? Okay. Where well, was this, that one This from? was at, in Boston. So you weren't there. You don't know that. <laughs> That's true, actually. Have you seen them live when I wasn't there? You, you cheating you bastard. You son of a bitch. <laughs> ah, doubtful. I mean, mm. how could I have fun without you there, babe? That's true. Well, I've seen them live a lot without you. Yeah, well, you're a son of a bitch. Yeah, well, I know that. Um, <laughs> so here, here's where they're doing Spin the Dial. Pearl Jam comes on, and Flansburg lets, it, lets all his rage out and his judge, judgmental hipster uh, personality out, right. which is why I love them, because I'm the same way. But um, I want to talk about these bands after and kind of give them a fair shake, if you will, uh, after this. But we don't for, have to. But first, let's indulge in making fun of them for a while. <laughs> By the way, before, I, as I I'm say not that... I want to thank the people on the Pearl Jam fan Reddit because they actually helped me find some songs that have the lyrics, oh, similar wow. lyrics with the word window and comfortable and all that stuff. Did you tell them this is to I make said fun it's going to be a podcast <laughs> where it's about a band that makes fun of it. Yeah. And they were really nice. So they're, they seem like good people. <laughs> so thank good you. Pearl Jammers. And they told me to post the link after and, you know, right. so hopefully they don't get too mad. Um, but here, here's They Might Be Giants making fun I of I like Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam specifically. <laughs> So 
So in case you couldn't understand, at one point Flanders says, like, this is an honest representation of my personal expression. You know, he's kind of, I think he's he's calling into question uh, Eddie Vedder's authenticity. If he's, mm-hmm. this is a singer who's singing like other popular people. But in a way, I'd almost say Eddie Vedder is like the godfather. Yeah, wasn't he the first stuff. one doing it? No, well, as I mean, Daniel besides said, the Alice in Chains guy. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they came up together. Well, Eddie Vedder really, I mean, he really did like 100 miles an hour on this yeah. uh, this kind of singing. But yeah, I mean, you, you get like a glimpse of what they think of that kind of singing. But maybe both those bands had the same influences. Yes. Which I don't know what those or would be. Or is it a dialect that's from a certain Seattle? Nar- yeah, but is it, it's like, is it, because, because Daniel mentions Kurt Cobain in his, in his thing. Well, actually, Dan, Daniel's email, he mentions a few years later, Bush came out and Bush, Bush Gav- sucks. Gavin, <laughs> Gavin Rosdale is a mix of Kurt Cobain and the Pearl and Eddie Vedder. In a he's way. definitely doing an affectation. Because he's British. He's not, yeah. his voice isn't like that at all. He was in it purely for the money. Bush sucks. <laughs> Well, anyway, so yeah, Dave, what were you, you I kind of was interrupting you because I wanted to keep moving. Oh, I don't know. Moving. I prattle on. No, you were saying you like Pearl Jam. And all, like, what do you take, what do you get, think oh, no, of I was this just saying, kind of singing? And- I don't think, at least when it started, that they were trying to do any kind of voice. I mean, maybe that's what it descended into. <laughs> I guess that's a weird way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand though. That's what it progressed into and it became well, like a copy of a copy. <laughs> yeah. Because by the time Creed was doing it, it was definitely a choice, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, maybe it was a mix of, like, I don't know, the regional dialect with the influences they had. With Maybe he sung those notes well in that style. And he's like, yeah, he kept doing it. I mean, it's funny because Pearl Jam to me reminds me of something like like Morrissey where you can't, you can't even cover the songs because mm-hmm. if you don't sing it like that, it's like the song ceases to exist in a way. Like, it, it has to be in that way when you sing a pearl jam song you start sounding yeah, like any better yeah, you can't right yeah. yeah exactly yeah i have nothing against it I, I do find it kind of funny and i guess linnell finds it yeah. kind of funny um if that is what he's doing like this is all right. kind of speculation in a way but i feel like we've got enough uh, good backing uh, context yeah i mean i had like the first couple of pearl jam albums or really maybe, or somebody had them i don't know but I mean, I didn't follow up with them, but I, you know, they, like you said, it was on the radio at the time. Yeah. This was early 90s, seventh, eighth grade. If you weren't into grunge, you weren't alive, man. <laughs> see, see, it's funny. So your your um, reference point is radio. Mine is more MTV. Sure. I had cable and you did not. And I did not, um, as you keep pointing out. And uh, <laughs> um, so the thing with, for me with Pearl Jam, besides like all their other music, is like the Jeremy music video. I am familiar with the Jeremy music Are video. You? Yeah. Well, because it was so controversial. It's very controversial. I think they it played it on like be. the news, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, it's like a school shooting. The kid and killed himself, a, or he killed other kids. I don't remember. Well, it's still very timely. It's about yeah. like an angry young boy who yeah. blah blah blah. But the song, but it's Fill like in the blanks. when I was in a junior high and that song was big. It genuinely made me uncomfortable. I mean, I liked more like fun, yeah. fun music, like nice, funny music, like. They might be giants and Weird Al and stuff. Sure. So I was just like, Jesus Christ, this song is so fucking dark and intense. Yeah. I don't was. know if it holds up. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a, a good perspective on Pearl Jam. I, I don't have a strong opinion on them. I think I like Stone Temple Pilots better. I don't know. See, I don't even know the difference. Man, Christy and I were listening to Core in the car, and we were fucking Core? singing along. That was our first album. Oh, okay. Core. And I was like, <laughs> damn, that guy can fucking sing, though. Like, yeah. Scott Weiland had a really good voice. Uh-huh. And like he he actually actually to your point, okay. In the next album or maybe two albums later, he wasn't doing that anymore. Really, he kind of had a different 
tone to it. Well, to, following that up, like when I was picking the clips, yeah. you know, like the line after that, I was like, oh, he sings it normal. Like, <laughs> so I like didn't use, I mean, Mike, I'll say this, my clips are pretty biased. Like I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to present a pattern, but there's definitely lines that all these singers right. do that are a little more normal. It's kind of like when I heard that Axl Rose doesn't have to do that really high voice <laughs> and has a really great, like, low singing voice. I really? Like, I was like, damn, sing like that, dude. Well, it's funny because John and John are the same way. Like, they, there's yeah. songs where they sing them different and you're just like, oh, they could do that. Or, and well, I, we're all, I'm, I'm the same way too. Like, I actually struggle. Like, sometimes when I'm recording a song, I basically usually kind of don't think about it, but there are times where I'm like, Oh, should I sing it more whispery mm. or should I do more projecting? Yeah. And, and that's that, called attack. That really changes it. Yeah. I, I just recorded a song yesterday where for a contest, actually, long story, but, um, you know, I, worst song in America. I tried the, <laughs> the gotcha. verses. I was trying to do more throaty and whispery, yeah. like, oh, then we did the, but then I'm like, or should I go, then we did the, the. I guess that's one advantage of only being able to sing one thing. Yeah. I'm talking about myself. Yourself, yeah. yeah. Well, your vocals Badly. are like very consistent from song to song. <laughs> yeah, um, equally shitty. <laughs> mine really sound different if it's quiet or loud. I don't know. The only thing I was going to say is, yes. not to undermine the last 30 minutes, I don't know if that's uh, necessarily what he's referencing. I, I don't know either. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> because it's not like out of the realm of possibility that they do different voices. Different funny on voices songs. on all their songs. Yeah. I mean, it could maybe it was like inspired by that. But I don't know if it's like a direct parody. I, I think this album is the is the kind of focal point of their 90s, re right. reflecting on the music at that time, yeah. which again, they didn't really used to do like their 80s albums aren't like, this is what 80s music is. But I, I think it was just the, getting signed to Elektra and being in that, that world mm -hmm. in 1992, 1993. Maybe they realized after putting out Apollo 18, maybe they're like, oh, this sounds kind of out of date with stuff hmm. with how things sound now very big and heavy right. heavier like and you know they're not in alter alternative rock and college rock are almost the same kissing cousins they're <laughs> they're not like so far away from that genre that so that's what i think john henry kind of is and why must i be sad and all these songs about teen angst mm -hmm. um and there's more coming up still hey. in this episode um stomp box yes <laughs> thank you but um that's why i, I think that like it's a good bet that that's what he's doing with this song. Yeah. And we have also what Brian Doherty told us. I mean, Brian did say it, so I yeah, guess Brian I have to it. Um, concede that point. Yeah, I mean, but but like we always try to say on the show, like we don't know. Uh, I'll say we only use it. our incredible expertise to, <laughs> to make extremely educated guesses that are probably right. <laughs> but we don't know. I'll say when I heard it yeah. uh, for the first time, I didn't think of... Uh, a grunge type of Me parody. neither. I didn't know until until Brian said it. I yeah. didn't know. I kind of thought of just more like what would a mannequin sound like or just like a crazy person. <laughs> what would a mannequin You know, whatever. Like? Whatever you told me about the song at the time. Sure, which sure. affected how well, I Well, just one it. of their weird voices. Like, yeah. absolutely, Bill's mood is a weird voice. Yeah. Like, my room's comfortable or small. Like, what is that? You know? <laughs> I don't know. That's also Eddie Vedder. Yeah, that's all. they're all Eddie Vedder. That's the thing. Well, it's been a great trip down memory lane. I, there's no one I'd rather have it with than uh, my fiance, Kristen, but you're second. No, oh, you got me. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more specifically about what happened to the song. I want to talk about the middle part with the tick-tock clock that sounds. It's the, it's, I guess you could call it, when a song is this structure, you, what do you call it? I, I'd say it's the bridge. Um, it was a catalog of many ones. Verse. Uh, B. Yeah. Um, so the, the, only, B. the only thing I have in my notes really is that this, this tick-tock part kind of like, 
this click clock tick tock part. <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> um, it kind of gives the idea of like he's sitting at he's at the window for a long time right. and all this time is passing where it's just like Later okay that you're, day. <laughs> yeah you're still there at Star the window wipe. Yeah. exactly. It was a catalog of men and women, man, the window, window, window. The other um, instrument in this part, it's kind of like, it sounds like a Beatles Mellotron kind of sound, like strawberry yeah. fields. Yeah, I said a woodwind, which was wrong. Yeah, but it's like this heavily synthesized yeah. kind of uh, unearthly yeah. <laughs> sounds, which, you know, fits fits the, the subject matter, I think. Um it's you know whenever you use that you're kind of hinting at the psychedelic aspect of right. things, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't that's know. That's not grunge. That's not grunge. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. I guess it's a mix of things. Yeah. If they, if they really were going for a Pearl Jam thing, they could have really done it. It's well within their abilities. <laughs> What's the trouble he encountered? The trouble I encountered when I thought. So he thought it was a window. He realized it was a catalog. Well, why Maybe. would that? Why would that? <laughs> why would that cause trouble to like have that wrong? You know what I'm saying? Not to be too literal. Yeah, I mean, it basically gives the idea that something went wrong for this person or this mannequin or whatever. Something, something is bad because if you say that there's trouble he encountered, that gives a negative air to it, right? The part that trips me up, not to dodge your question, which I am because I don't know the answer. Dave the Dodger. Of many women men. Yeah, it's an interesting way to phrase. I mean, he probably was fitting it in the syllables. Uh, <laughs> but is that yeah. like the, the people walking by in the department store? Is that just humanity as abstracted? Like, I don't know. What is that, Jordan? It's, it's an interesting. Yeah, Help the, me. The grammar is Help interesting. Help me. I mean, it's funny. I mean, as he sings it, I don't question the, the way he says it. But yeah, I mean, he's probably just like, well, I have this meter. Uh, this <laughs> is how to say it. I mean, it's funny because he said- Unsatisfying answer. They have the song Women and Men where Linnell puts women- Linnell's such a feminist. He puts women first. <laughs> Usually people say men and women. Yeah. I actually think that's interesting that he's done that twice. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what's that about? Many women, men, of many men and women. You can't do it the other way if you try to- It was a catalog well, a cat Many boys and girls. <laughs> a catalog of women and men. Again, you think going back to the fashion. Maybe thing. it's a prostitution ring, or maybe. Maybe he's in like the red light district or whatever. Maybe it's like a. I guess. Are there men in the red light district? Oh, well, there's all anything you want, baby. Women don't use prostitutes. Oh, you want me to hook you up? No, but men do. You know what I'm saying? Oh, gay men. <laughs> <laughs> or men who are just experimenting or whatever. Maybe the catalog is of a sexual nature. Yeah, you know, not everything's of a sexual nature. I was thinking of, you know, clothing, a fashion show kind of thing. Hmm, yeah. Mannequins, maybe. fashion, clothing catalog. Or uh, we go back to what we first said. Maybe he's maybe he's a fucking serial killer who is a psychopath, so he doesn't see people as as people, yeah. he just sees bodies, and and he's looking at a, at a in the home of a family watching TV, Maybe. and he's just like, oh, these are my new things I'll pick out for my <laughs> my that I'll put in my basement. Right, right. Well, I think we figured it out. Okay, we we should talk about when all the music comes in and the whole sound of the song. So Brian kind of confirmed uh, he remembered that the song was slowed down hmm. uh, in like it was pitched down. 
Interesting. And I, I wanted to play this for you. I wasn't sure until I did this. I pitched it up yeah. to the key of E instead of D. And suddenly I was like. That's a full step, people. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, my God, this sounds normal now. And that's Linnell's nasal voice and everything. So I wanted to know what you wow. think. And I'll play, you know, the song's so short. I'll just play most of the, the song. So check this out. This is window pitched up. And maybe we can talk about why, why they did that or whatever. But here, here it is. What do you think of this? Look at all the people in the window I'm checking out the people in the window I was uncomfortable, now I'm uncomfortable The trouble I encountered when I thought it was, it was a window It was a catalog of men and women meant the window So yeah, to me, I was like, oh my God, that's Linnell's normal singing voice almost. And the drums sound a little more normal. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so when you pitch a song down, uh, I think the biggest effect it has on the drums, it gives them this big weight. And I did yeah. that. I've done that on recordings. I did that on my album for my song, uh, Heard You Laughing in the Other Room, which is a like big, heavy, I mean, at least for me, big, heavy song on my album. And I, I like doubled the drums and like lowered them a few mm. notes so that it was like you know really give it like weight you mm -hmm. know when you were playing it what i was saying is it's a little bit prettier yeah it's like not it's a more yeah. almost more of a normal tmbg song yeah i guess they slowed it to. down to give it that real lean into that creepy feeling of it creepy or it's part of the parody oh one thing i yeah this is what i wanted to uh. ask Let's say that the grunge thing is part of the, what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Does that have anything to do with the lyrics or is it is that which came first? Right. Was he like, oh, I'm going to write a song like Eddie Vedder and, like as a joke? Or did he write the song and then they're in the studio and they're just and just he's like, around. this is how to sing it now, you know? I don't think the music is reminiscent of grunge at all. It's it's kind of got these like dark chords, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. To my ear, if you took the Eddie Vedder voice out of it, yeah. I would never guess like, oh, that's like a Pearl Jam parody, Yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, lyrically, I think if you were to do a grunge parody, you would have more like weird analogy stuff, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like, a, or, or st like stories about like a disgruntled kid or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, cause the Nirvana thing was to kind of like mishmash a bunch of words and like weird fucked up poetry, Yeah, which is like what Bush did badly. <laughs> Fuck Bush. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Or it would be I have like, some nostalgia for Bush because that's it's a very stink. specific time. Not that I like them, but like when I hear one or two of the songs, I do kind of go like, "Oh man, that's that fucking song when I was in junior high." Yeah. And then more like the Pearl Jam or like I don't know, quote unquote, serious side of it would be like to tell stories of like you know yeah. living on the streets and the real hard life and whatever. I, I can see it still kind of being the this lyrics about being in that style though, because I feel like the outsider status. But then you could yeah. argue well, almost all they might be giant songs are about some outsider. Right. They're they, the original grunge yeah, grungers. They don't have a lot of songs about like grungies. Dis, about like functional people who are yeah. get along with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's too yeah. specific to DMBG. Like it was a catalog of like I can't imagine that in a 
Pearl Jam song. Yeah, but even you doing that now, it's like, that sounds like a Pearl Jam song. I don't know. <laughs> the world may never know. Yeah, I guess we could just ask them. Yeah. <laughs> Pearl Jam. Um, yeah, let's ask Pearl Jam. What do you think of this? <laughs> uh, no comment. No comment. <laughs> um, Does he still sing like that? I don't know. Well, he was on Twin Cause, Peaks. Cause he's like 70. Remember? Season three of Twin Peaks. He yeah. performed at the Roadhouse. And That's I was, right. And it was nice. It's a nice song. I think he's chilled out a little more with that. It sounded more natural when yeah. he was. No, he's got a great voice. Yeah. No knock or, on him. Or, you think you're just like turning into. Maybe. Maybe I'm just attracted to him. He's got a great voice. <laughs> he's a beautiful man. Voice. I think I'm getting it. He kind of flutters like he kind of like. <laughs> like, you know. I mean, he was a babe. Dave Fogg sitting in my room <laughs> playing a podcast. Yeah. That was beautiful. Man, Weird Al, <laughs> is that you? <laughs> no, that would be like, Dave Fogg sitting in my room. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. I love window. That's yeah. all I want to say. I, I love, love window. I love window. <laughs> I love lamp. And the next song we're going to talk about is Out, Out of, of Jail. jail. So the serial killer from yeah. Window and that, that he's took out a of turn. Jail. Yeah, <laughs> that um, dark. This so, one's a lot more straightforward. It, this one's almost an oddball because it's so normal. Yeah, <laughs> that's my main thesis of this yeah. song is that it's a crushingly normal song. It's a normal pop rock song, lyrically, musically. Well, those I feel like those drum fills the dr make it stand out. Here's my I, this this is gonna sound not very generous. I feel like Flansburg, and he's done this before, or he's done this later rather. Mm -hmm. He'll he'll write a kind of a normal song, but he's like shit. It needs that TMBG twist, and he'll there'll be an arrangement aspect that's very different, which is great. I mean, I'm not saying that's bad to do. Whereas some of the songs are more fundamentally weird, and there's no matter what you right. do, they're weird. Um, it's almost like when someone like copies David Lynch yeah, and it's yeah. like, the, you're actually, your movie's really normal. You just threw in a few weird right. like, shots or whatever. Right. Um, this is like a very normal song that he, he dedicated a lot of energy into like making those, getting Brian to do this crazy mm -hmm. drum part, which we yeah. spoke to Brian about. Listen to our interview with Brian Doherty. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, that I, I told Brian, these are like my favorite drums I've ever heard in my life. They're um, a standout on the song. But like, I, I almost feel like it's, it was an insecurity thing about like, I mean, it sounds mean. I almost feel like it was just a, a way to, uh, to make the song a little more different mm, because otherwise you've got a very, very normal <laughs> song here. Um, like even the lyrics are like basically just like what a country song is. Like I met this girl yeah. and she was trouble, and now right. I'm in a big uh, hooting mess of something. <laughs> I'm in a heap of hollering, heap and heap of mess. What do you? I'm curious. I like it. I, you like it? Okay. Well, that's my <laughs> yeah. my question. You, I like you, it a you lot. Like the actually. song really a lot. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I like the Sorry song. Sorry I like the song too. I just have a weird like feeling. I about especially it. like it in context because it's a little mm. like. So weirdly, it stands out <laughs> yeah. because it's not weird yeah. and stand out. And it's kind of like an end credits song. It's yeah, kind of like, yeah. oh, we're at the end of the movie, the end of the credits of this thing. Let's just like have a fun, like solid rock song. It's almost like no pressure song. You no know? pressure. Yeah. You can enjoy it. Yes. You don't have to figure anything out. Yeah. Really? 
your brain could take a backseat. But also that the um, well, that and, sounds me. And especially the chorus, um, it's got an emotional like the chord progression and everything. Yeah. It's very. I mean, look, not to be not to sound like I'm dismissing it. I've always thought this song, and I and I have proof. I used to post. I posted this on the news group years ago. But like, I always thought this song sounded like a TV theme song. Mm-hmm. It sounded like a the Friends theme or something like a sitcom where you're kind of like doing this very upbeat like kind of emotional, like sincere sounding rock song where it's like, yeah, we're thinking about these times we had together. You know what I mean? As opposed to like the, yeah. the normal Flansburg style or Linnell style where it's there's not quite that emotional. Um, but we've talked about the uh, quote unquote normal Flansburg style is more genre study. Genre study, yeah. And is that what he's doing here? I don't know. I, hmm. I think, well, it kind of reminds you of Lucky Ball and Chain or something. Like he likes... The sort yes. of straightforward, maybe country-esque yeah. kind of qualities of a lot of music. I don't see it as that, um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what's the TV, word you use? TV themes? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's that straightforward. It, I, I think they can't help but be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there's some songs later where you can make that argument. But in this period, I still think it's pretty unique. See, to me, this sounds like almost like an attempt at a single. Hmm. Like this will get played on the radio because it's... It's got this like yeah, but it's got stirring... a weird bridge, and it's got. But Brian, oh no, we're gonna skip ahead. But yeah. Brian told us that Linnell came up with that. He thinks <laughs> he thinks he saw Linnell come up with that bridge yeah. all on his own, oh, being like, "Oh, let's put this part in, do do you know?" Yeah. So that's the Linnell aspect, maybe. Yeah, I would, but yeah. didn't want to be a friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the Flansburg. Yeah. Part. But I mean, that's the, the second bridge or whatever. Is, is it? I don't think so. To me, that sounds like the TV theme song. Mm. Doing its big climactic thing. I, um, and what's funny is I think I think they back me up in this opinion. Mm-hmm. So in TMBG podcast 27A. Well, it's not fair to use evidence. Uh, this is the original name of this song, which I think was a joke around the studio. This is from their podcast, Dave, talking about Out of Jail. Oh, I did read that. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. When this next song, Out of Jail, was recorded, its title was After School Special. So, okay, when that podcast came out and they said <laughs> that the original title of the song was as, I, I, I don't think serious title, but that yeah. the original title that they called it in the studio was After School Special. I was like, yes, mm. it sounds like an After School Special to me musically. I think that was them teasing Flansburg about the sound of the song. Right. I, and I, this could just be me. I've never seen anyone else say this about the song. Well, they mentioned it. TV show in the song. They too. do. That's the other <laughs> thing is they. It was like a TV show. That's why I'm like, are they trying to get a TV theme song? Which is funny because when they yeah. actually got a TV theme song, it wasn't really like that. No. Very much. <laughs> um, I like a little bit actually. You're not the boss. I mean, it kind of has similar tone maybe. But um, yeah, I, I actually think that was like the point of this. I don't mm. know. It's just it's just how I've always seen it. I could easily see someone maybe like you. Being like, not, I don't hear it, not at <laughs> Someone all. Someone like me. Or like like Flansburg, just being like, yeah. no, that wasn't the, the idea. But I just like, when you think about their other, it might just be the chord progression. I mean, I'll definitely agree with you. It's not as weird sounding as... Or like distance, emotionally distant sounding. It's, it's Yeah, it has really, a warmth to it. I could say she's the... It's so... And true. I use weird it's in the most... It's such like a poppy, punky, like... Yeah. 
there's some Flansburg songs over the years mm-hmm. where I can kind of see the stitches in them. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, oh, he thought he, he, this was too normal. He needed to do this and that. Or he like, like even the intro to the song, it's like the chords going up like ding, mm-hmm. ding. You could be like, oh, it needs, it needs something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like a lot of their songs don't do that where you're just like, how did they do this? This yeah. is, you know, this, this is one of those songs where I feel like I can kind of see through it a little hmm. bit. Not to be, I mean, it sounds arrogant. It but, does. But that's me. <laughs> love it or lump it maybe i'm just like uh i like a good song i don't know <laughs> i, guess I overthink it <laughs> again in the context of the album it's just like i don't know it just flows perfectly it's like yeah i like all right here's a question if it was taken out of the album it's that's funny miss it? if this was a b-side i'd be like this is their best song like i'd be <laughs> kind of a hipster about it and just be like oh my god um i think that's my that's my prediction i think it, it flows really well in between yeah, well, so if you didn't, it's if, if you went from window to stomp box, you'd be, you'd commit yourself to yeah. the loony bin. Right. It'd be too much. You need that little bit of, uh, oh yeah, that's funny. It is sandwiched by two of the weirdest, <laughs> literally the, the weirdest Linnell yeah, songs yeah. on this album that are both like kind of weird experiments. Right. So you've got Flansburg kind of keeping it. Flansburg's it, like, oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but here, here's, here's the, where the sequencing aspect. Imagine if this was like track two. Would you be like, What? Or would you be like, oh shit, this is a lead single? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's definitely not a single. But it, <laughs> it's not I a feel like two. it could be if they approached it. I don't know. It, it's so it's so accessible. Like, who who could listen to this mm. song and be like, what normal person? No. <laughs> not a they might be Giants fan, but like someone who likes normal yeah. the Friends theme song. Fans of that, if they heard this, it's what, still a far what would cry they, from the Friends theme song. What would they object to? I mean, even even the way Flansburg sings it is very, uh, it's very sincere sound. He's mm. not doing a it's weird a voice. Yeah, he's he's really giving it like a kind of a, a, an emotional, like very. I don't know. It's a polished performance. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. The, the lyrics and everything are still a little outside of the box anyway, though. I, I, I don't even think, I think they are maybe in a few different little ways, but yeah. I think mostly it's it's the kind of stuff you hear in songs a lot. Mm. But let's talk about lyrics. Good segue, Dave. You're welcome. I mean, what uh, TV show theme song has Xenia in it? Xena the Warrior Princess. <laughs> That's a different show. <laughs> okay. Long before the screen door slam, she was out of Xenia. Let's talk about that because we have to. Um, that's <laughs> because <we laughs> wouldn't it be funny to. if we didn't talk about the Xenia thing and the like thing everyone stands out the most <laughs> would just be like, What the fuck? I don't, is there that much to say? There, I do have a crazy theory about it. Um, but let, let's talk about Xenia, John Flansburg. Well, let, let's play a few clips. Here's a true life song about some people from Ohio, and it's called Out of Jail. So, that in that clip, the really quick one, he says it's a true life song. I wonder if that means this is a real story or if he's just joking it's hard to say you never know what these fellas so uh, he says it's a true thing that happened which again could could just be concert banter it doesn't yeah. mean anything let's listen to a few more intros where he talks about the song here's one from 1994 <laughs> here's one now yes i don't i've run out of ways to introduce uh, clips i'm let's sorry let's listen here's a brand new song about a town in ohio that i used to live near and the rest of it's just uh, expository writing there's your answer. Expository writing. Yeah. What does that mean to you? You know, like extra. This song is about being some kind of freaky trash from Ohio. <laughs> Somebody told me about people like this. And it's called Out of Jail. Show, don't tell. Freaky trash. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's judging these Ohio people. You know what this song reminded me of is a pet name. Just another song yeah. kind of looking Bad at Bad couples. Yeah, like kind of maybe kind of having some fun with these these like dysfunctional couples and it even yeah. has a pet name in the song where he calls her kitten. Kit- kitten. You know. Remember when you couldn't pronounce kitten? On one of Do you have a, a memory file of all the times <laughs> I like slightly stumbled in my speech? It's like, all I have. It's all I keep. You'll me be going. at my funeral, being like, "Here's a list of the words, Jordan." <laughs> Can't pronounce. Yeah, I mean, I have so many fuck ups. So you're right. Yeah, and I have them all on in audio. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Delete them. <laughs> yeah, the kitten part kind of remind me of pet name. One of the, I think the things that Flansburg is is best at, maybe like better than Linnell, in terms of his style, is like these very observing, observatory yeah. things about like couples and relationships and the kind toxic of toxic li- relationships that too. But <laughs> even just even the like just the little things that happen yeah. in a couple, like the pet name thing. Um, I'm excited to talk about that song. Or like uh, with the comb. Oh God. Yeah, I blame you with the I comb. I blame you. With the comb. Sorry. Always with the comb. Yeah. The, well, the thing that's weird about this song in terms of how normal it is, is just how straightforward the lyrics are. I, I, I was so glad I didn't have to decipher anything. Yeah, you don't really have to do a lot of work. I, the only thing that I- That appeals to me. I think the main thing to talk about is the Xenia thing. Yeah. So Flansburg says, he said this on the Tumblr- He said, I spent a couple of highly formative years in Antioch College in Yellow Springs, so I've been through Xenia a few times. I even played in Dayton at Sam's in a band called The Blackouts a couple of times. And yes, it's an amazing name for a town. So Xenia is Greek for hospitality, which I think is a funny, possibly intended, ironic thing about when you know about a, a song about basically an antisocial person who's stealing yeah. cars and like be a criminal some cra- mm. crazy you know very like i don't know kind of like true romance or something i don't know yeah. just like a very like chaotic person right who just like trouble fo- follows them everywhere because they're just like don't care about the rules yeah man. just like me a rebel they, yeah. yeah just yeah. <laughs> the thing that's notable about xenia dave yeah is that it is <laughs> Really famous for how many tornadoes, not just how many tornadoes, oh. about three or four, but the massive destructive level of the tornadoes. They had like the top category tornado destroy the town once in 1974, destroyed the whole town. Tornado that struck Xenia, Ohio, had something in common with all natural disasters. It changed the lives of those who lived through it. NBC's Floyd Calber spoke with some of Xenia's residents, starting with one young boy who, it's safe to say, has never forgotten the terror of 74. Mark Huffman lost his school. He was at home when the tornado hit, and that's something he'll never forget. There's been a lot of treason. There was a lot of treason. Yeah, killed 34 people in 1974 and uh, tons of injuries. So it's called an F5 tornado. That's like the worst. Damn, is that the one Helen Hunt went after? (laughs) Never saw that movie. Oh, really? I saw it in theater. Um, It's good. Do you think Joss Whedon wrote the script? I read, I heard, I heard, I heard. Do you think I mixed the word "read" and "heard" together? I, <laughs> I heard. That's a new low. <laughs> I oh god, yeah. Keep that in your memory file. Um, Do you think uh, so? Xenia was chosen because like this woman tore through town yeah, like a tornado. You got me. Yeah. So I was like, was that some sort of weird uh, analogy, yeah. like a metaphor, like she's like a tornado? The other thing it made me think of, not to do a whole other song, but Flansburg has a song called When Tornadoes Tornado. Take Over the World. Let's listen to that for a second. When tornadoes take over the world 
There'll be no time for fretting, no fussing and complaining anymore. When tornadoes. Love that song. Wow. And I, I, I love you. <laughs> that song makes me feel safe for some reason. Chrissy misheard this song and thought it said when tomatoes take over. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a movie about that. Yeah. Twister. So this is my theory. My theory is that he wrote th these two songs around the same time. And, mm. and I think that kind of checks out. You can please correct me if I'm wrong at our email. Don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. If you know more about these songs than I do, um, <laughs> you're not bloody likely. Um, <laughs> but my theory is that he he was in the same headspace and yeah. these two songs Tornado kind of Land. came as like a pair or something because that's what Xenia is like basically known for. Yeah. It ain't known for its uh, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead because I do want to talk about when tornadoes take over the world in a future like uh, grab bag oh, episode boy. and we can come circle back to this. But yeah, so that, that's my idea. And, and you you caught on to the thing that I was thinking, mm -hmm. which is that maybe she's like the tornado of the song. Yeah. She's causing all this chaos. Let's look at some of the specific lyrics. A stranger, I think this is like a sweet line. A stranger could have loved that town, but she had to leave. That's like mm. a touristy line. Like you put on a bumper sticker, like, welcome to Xenia. <laughs> stranger If you're a stranger, you could love us. Yeah. <laughs> something only a stranger. Yeah, that's yeah. that's actually. Wait, you you just un, <laughs> you just like revealed the secret cynicism <laughs> in that line. That's like a weirdly negative yeah. line. Wow. See, Flansburg is sneaky with this stuff. That's what I mean. It's there's more than meets the eye. Yeah. I wish I'd gotten to know. I mean, it's funny. These are such normal lyrics. I wish I'd gotten to know her before I fell in love. That's a country lyric. Um, I could say who's the, I mean, it is catchy because even just reading the lyrics, I'm just like, I could say who's the play. Say who's the man. <laughs> in this cautionary tale. In this cautionary. I swore I'd be true. And I, yeah, see, anytime you have a song that refers to itself as a tale, that's like a country thing to, yeah. to me. Um I will swear and I'll swear till kittens out of jail. Yeah, so he's gonna be true to her even though she's she's in jail. It's one of those things where it's like in it it, it was like a TV show. That's so mm -hmm. funny. I didn't even plan to plan to say that. Um, it is like a TV show where you're like being like, why are you with this person? This crazy person? Yeah. Stop. Um, though I, I've had experiences where I've dated people who are kind of like chaotic, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's weird. You're kind of like there's an attraction. There's like it. a magnet. You're yeah, like can't you get it. enough of it. It's weird. It's because you hate yourself. Oh, <laughs> there's that's always at the at the core of a lot of things yeah. in my life. <laughs> Why See, do I, I could, drink so much coffee? I could be a good therapist. Oh, it's because you hate yourself. Yeah, that's that's what therapists do, and that leads to because you hate yourself. Yeah, um, it was like a TV show. The way she stole that car, it's just so like yeah, just it's sort of like painting like a little. It's not even like a art house movie. It's like painting like a fun little like indie drama comedy mm. <laughs> in your head. Um, Easy now to criticize, easy now to talk. That's that hindsight's 2020 thing. Right. Being like, he's like, oh, I should have seen this coming. Yeah. At the time, I was like, wow, you're stealing a car. That's crazy. That's awesome. Kind of reminds me of, you know, the movie Something Wild? Nope. Uh, it's Sorry. Jonathan Demi movie. You would love it for uh, Ray Liotta is incredible in oh, it. And yeah, he's that, incredible that, in everything. He steals the movie. Rest in power. Um, but it's about this, like, kind of 
up, uptight guy gets involved with like Melanie Griffith, who's like this really oh, I know this crazy movie. lady yeah. who just like takes him on this kind of insane like trip. And, you know, she's the manic yeah. dream girl kind of thing. But anyway, kind of sounds like this song, really. I mean, that, that the movie is well, kind of like What year did that. that come out? Maybe it's inspired by it. 86. This is definitely about it. No doubt about it. I want to play this other clip of, of Flansburg introducing song because I, I think that kind of it, it kind of introduces an interesting to thematic idea. I don't know if you people get a chance to go to Xenia, Ohio very often. But this song starts in Xenia, Ohio and pretty much ends there as well. Ooh. So I, I might be thinking too deep but the idea of the story starting and ending in Ohio and, and part of this song kind of implies about like you know, like being being stuck, like she yeah. wanted to leave Xenia, but she couldn't because she got arrested or something. And then also like even the state name Ohio is almost like palindromic in a mm. way with the two O's and you know what I'm then the in between, there's the yeah. I. But you know, I don't know, is you think that's part of the fabric of the song is this idea of not be and out of jail like gives the idea of like you're stuck there. It's kind of a like yeah. cabbage town, the small town stuck can't really narrow leave. your eyes narrow your eyes all that see yeah the consolation so yeah i don't know you think there's something there with thematically i see sometimes this flansburg banter they, like he says something so almost flanter. unintentionally flanter i call it he says something like unintentionally deep almost or i'm just like oh does he know that that's like this deep thematic interpretation of the so. song <laughs> no that the uh, beginning and ending i don't uh, know it seems like it up his his wheelhouse hmm. up his it seems right up his wheelhouse. It seems like it's rammed right up his wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> it was a load on his back. It was a load that just sh- shot onto his back from a and willing, <laughs> consensual. <laughs> okay. Anyway, in terms of the emotional sounds of the music, well, I think one of the things that helps that is Linnell's harmony and the chorus. It's great. Like, I, I almost think it's funny. Like, it's almost like Flansburg's making Linnell do this, like, really normal song. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking, I think I'm, I am overthinking it. But, like, I, I, I don't so, think it's that normal. I'm so curious what Linnell thought when Flansburg is like, here, here's another song. He's like, oh, that's, like, not weird or hmm. anything. I don't know. It, it's interesting. But Linnell, like, gives it this great, sincere, like, harmony that really, yeah, like, feels. Ordinary tale. Sinatra. Hey, you cats, here's a tale. Well, you get one. That was not a pun intended at all. So let's talk about the bridge. We got to talk about the bridge. The bridge has some weird stuff. It has like backward symbols or something. Yeah, you're right. So there's some some, some symbols like that's kind of yeah. cool. I almost don't. You think you could do that? Like it's kind of no. the way you step on the hi hat or something. Not I, the I way know. I'm hearing it. Oh, that's a subtle touch if that's what's going on. Um, I guess for me, uh, and this is a good segue to 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 something else. But um, it sure is. It's with Jay Sherman Godfrey, who's on lead guitar. Mm-hmm. 
it's like the parts he's doing, and maybe it's because he's not really a member of They Might Be Giants traditionally. He's doing these very emotional, like soaring guitar lines, like like kind of these. It's a good impression of a guitar. Bluesy, like rock, very like sort of like to me, those parts of that part, like didn't want. It's very normal. I like those parts. Yeah. I'm curious what other people think think about what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know. Is this your least favorite song, John Henry? It was for a while. Yeah. It was down there. Thermostat and this were down there. To me, mm. John Henry didn't quite didn't quite get up there as it ended. Mm. Um, but I like these songs a lot now, and I do like this song. Is just I mean, it's super fun. Yeah, it's kind of like reminds me of like Mike Viola's music. Like he like opened for They Might Be Giants. Like just these bands mm-hmm. that are just like here's just some fun pop songs kind yeah. of thing. But then we've got this great Linnell part. You know the organ. Do, do. I used to when I was learning to play mm-hmm. keyboards. That this was at the top of my list. I used to be like, I want to play the bridge of Out of Jail. Do, 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 do. You know, he's like mm-hmm. doing chords basically on both hands, back and forth. Um, and it's got it, it does add that they might be Giants flavor to it with the staccato guitars. Yeah, the, we, the stabs. Yeah, we talked about that a lot in the Weird Al uh, YouTube thing mm-hmm. we did, where it's just like, dun, dun, <laughs> dun, you know. And that it is very They Might Be Giants. And it, it also, but to me, like I said, it does feel like it's like, oh, we need something. Maybe, yeah. Here, right? And I don't begrudge that because I've done the same thing with songs where I'm like, oh, this song's not interesting enough. Right, I've I, done I, that. What else could I put here? Yeah, what else could I put here? <laughs> That's also how, how I am in the bedroom. Oh... So speaking of Jay Sherman Godfrey, I am very excited to finally present some more of our interview with Jay Sherman Godfrey. He plays a fantastic lead guitar in this song, including this great solo Mm -hmm. as the song is coming to a close. I have to say, though, there was an error. We got a little mistake. In the interview, Jay said that the solo was based on the Brian Eno song, Babies on Fire. But then in an email uh, later, he told me he misspoke. Mm-hmm. What he meant to say was the song Needles in the Camel's Eye. <laughs> so it's a Brian Eno song, Needles in the Camel's Eye. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. Okay. Uh, so even though you're going to hear him say Babies on Fire, the clip that I'm playing is Needles in the Camel's Eye. Do you understand? Yes, it's, it's kind a retraction. Of, it's going to be a bit of a weird... Even the New York Times does it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just keep that in mind. It's it, I, I will, I swear. It, it's a blatant error, but it's like I don't oh know. I don't know how else to do it because I can't put words in his mouth. You know, let's in the recording. put you before the firing squad. The next song that you're on is "Out of Jail," right? Well, that's got that crazy Doherty playing that crazy part, right? Yeah, like, I love the drum part for that song. That's a that's a great drum part, right? Yeah, it's just like he's so technical. Yeah, you know, he's so good. <laughs> Yeah, the Broadway player, right? Like so, we talked to him all about right. that part, actually. And that's just man to keep that up is cool. And you know that, like, it. I don't know this for, to be true, but like, mm-hmm. I, it sounds like you know, Flans or Linnell programmed some crazy part, and then he just <laughs> right. played it. Like, yeah, that's how I always felt. What an animal! What a what a great player! Yeah, that was fun. That one, and that one, I got to play like the lead guitar player, right? Like, yeah, the blazing solo. That was recorded the same day in, in Skyline. Well, can you tell us about that solo at the end that 
I can only assume is you, right? That's not Flanser. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he really wanted, they wanted that one to be heavy. So mm-hmm. I remember like heavier, heavier. Like mm-hmm. maybe he was saying the same thing he said to Brian. Like, mm. so it was really crunchy and fun. It was loud yeah. in the studio. Mm-hmm. At that point, I had like, they left the amp out and I came back into the control room to play, I think. I remember that. I uh-huh. remember being in the control room. That's kind of a classic setup. You sit in the couch. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and you get the whole song kind of blasting it. You don't have to worry about wearing headphones or anything. Yeah. Again, I think, you know, I remember being directed to sort of what to play on the song part, but then on the solo, they were just like, well, just go. And yeah. then I think I did that solo maybe three or four times. Again, I had rehearsed them. I had rehearsed the song some, so it wasn't just like, like I'm sure Quine didn't listen to anything. He just came in and played. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I like that solo. I, I actually, when you were, when you were, I went back to listen to those songs and I like that one. It has a great build because it's like like it really it climbs. Well, it's very melodic. It's not just blazing and rock. It's like rock and really leaves an impression. Yeah, not because I listen to it. I'm like, where did I get that idea? And I'm pretty sure that I was thinking of the solo on "Babies on Fire," Brian Eno song. It's like because that's what he does. He starts down and he starts going up. Okay. And then it's also got a little bit of a classical feel to it. That, mm-hmm. that it's almost like a little guitar exercise, like da da You know, it's just going up a scale. Right. And it, you know, on the record, it sounds good, but in the studio, man, it was so loud. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that that record is mixed a little tame. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of like because I was like there when they were cranking it like yeah. for the recording, and it's it. Hmm. I was a little surprised that it. it's a little tamer, but that's always that's always the case. I think that still. happens all the time. Yeah, I mean that's funny because I recently made an album too where the the amps were really loud and crazy, and then you're mixing the song and it's <laughs> you just put the dial down because I'm like, well, I can't hear the drums, I can't hear the voice, and well, I learned, you know, I learned from I used I used to hang around lots of studios and I used to listen to engineers and I used to play a lot in studios and like um, mm-hmm. some really smart people just really listen to like like even even on that session i was just like when i wasn't doing something i was like sitting right next to ed thacker watching what he was doing Mm -hmm. because he was a total pro like he's like i think he like he came from like i think he recorded white snake you know it's like (laughs) he's just a he's just a total pro right Mm -hmm. and uh he's got a whatever a resume a million miles long but it's just really fascinating watching those guys and i remember when i was still when i was doing studio work uh, working with producer, this guy named Eric Amble, who did a lot of the Blue Jays stuff and also is a really influential person in my life. Great guitar player, great producer. He's always like, if you want it to be this dirty, right, 
you got to record it two times more dirty, right? Yeah, Ooh. sure, sure. You got to always go a little bit further yeah, because yeah. on tape, it's not going to do it, right? Yeah, oh, that's good advice. That's like on the stage. And so I remember them egging me on on that one to get to get bigger and louder. And I'm just, I remember at some point thinking, this is all I got, guys. Yeah. I just turned all the way up. <laughs> yeah. That's a great song too. That's, I mean, to me, Flansburg has sort of, once in a while, he just figures out like, I don't know. There's just, they're, I love crafty songs. I love crafty yeah. songs. And there's two guys just like cranking out crafty songs. Thank you, Jay, again for talking to us. We've got more from Jay coming up. I'm going to kind of uh, exploit that interview for for more future episodes. You talked about Factory Showroom and Monopuff. Right. Yep. So that and state songs. It's the interview that keeps on giving. It'll keep giving for a while. It's going to be kind of weird in a very very long time to be like, you know, hey Jay, you're yeah. in the episode again. Yeah, he steals the show with this song. Uh, his his guitar playing's great, but like I said, it is a little different from what you normally hear mm-hmm. on a They Might Be Giants. It's a little more polished, and that's just like his style. He's like a very solid, and he's not a weird. His songs are like pretty, like they're very nice, pretty, and interesting, like kind of countryish songs. Mm-hmm. But he's not like a weird artsy, you know, kind of They Might Be Giants songwriter guy. So he's he's bringing like a kind of different flavor to things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so the way the song ends, it just really hits home to me, the TV theme song part, or the end credits of the movie happening. Very triumphant. I mean, I know it's not a triumphant song in yeah. the topic of it, but it just has that triumphant feel, at least to me. This is how I hear it. I don't know. Do, it does is triumphant. Agree? That's yeah. why I like it. Um, triumphant cool solo it's a rock song I mean, this they is what, are what, a rock band jay says that in the interview he's like this was a rock album yeah we were a rock band um which is like most bands you don't have to like emphasize yeah. you're just like you know that already but with they Are giants it was weird at the time one one thing i, I just want to play this one clip of the song they haven't done the song live almost ever but there was a really yeah. really fast version they did that i thought you'd have fun listening to i'd like to hear this i live. just want to play yeah th- check this out it's very punky so here, here's this is from June twentieth, nineteen ninety four, and this really Man. just jumped out at me. Man, to be to be back in nineteen ninety four, to be alive <laughs> at all, <laughs> ever. This is a song of our next record. It's called Out of Jail. <laughs> does those drums with the tempo even faster speaking of that speaking of crazy fast punk songs yeah the next one dave i'll let you say it because i have a feeling that you have a affection for this song i do you'd be right and you'd be talking about the song stomp box do it right into the mic so it's distorted stomp box holy shit Stompbox. Stompbox. Speaketh my heart. Do you like Stompbox? Oh, my God. This was like one I of like my it. early exposures to uh, 
<laughs> loud, fast music. Yeah, because I liked it a lot. I was a little sissy boy. <laughs> I only listened to little little sissy boy <laughs> played playing my little sissy boy games. Sounds uh, fun. It was. Oh, was you should have come. The fastest, toughest thing you heard up until that point. It might be. Yeah. Well, there's. It's funny. There's another one. Which I'll, is a future thing. Yeah, this was great. I love the energy and the aggression in it. Uh, you love the energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to do the most energetic song uh, three hours into recording. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. It, um, I, I can tell you a little bit about the energy because I, I've got this interview I found. It's not a clip. I'm going to read it to you, unfortunately. Read to me. There's, I, 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 it's funny. I didn't mark where I found this. It was some interview I found online. Uh, they were talking about the recording of Stompbox, and they're talking about how uptight they usually are, mm-hmm. and how on John Henry they tried to be less uptight. Flansburg says, there's a song on the record called Stompbox, and a lot of it was tracked live, and there's a sound coming out of the guitar in the middle of every phrase that's just kind of me playing as fast as I possibly can, and the guitar part in the middle is completely <laughs> inaccurate. It's like I'm just hanging on by a thread to the drums, bass, and keyboard thing that's happening. The tempo's really frantic, but it's like I'm just sort of barely there, and that's a perfectly good thing. You feel a real excitement rather than a nervous excitement. But yeah, it was interesting. He talks about how fast he's playing guitar, where you lose track of the timing of the song and you're just going oh, yeah. nuts, you know. I, I relate to that, but yeah. ma- mainly because I'm bad at uh, rhythm guitar yeah. and I can't, I can't, I'm bad with timing anyway. So it's great when it's fast and it doesn't matter. Do you remember your first like impressions of Stompbox? I vaguely recall thinking like, wow, this is uh, very fast and very punky rhythm. Yeah. Took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good second to last song to uh, throw a curveball at everybody. Yeah, it's a good second to last song. The the reason I like it as, as where it is on the album is because it's kind of just like, yeah, you just heard our rock album yeah. and there's like not much left for us to do, but just go fucking crazy. It's like yeah, the end of a yeah. concert when right. you, they do like Dig My Grave or some crazy song. It's just like now is the time to just let yeah. loose and go like the end of the party, you know, right. let's just go fucking crazy. And then end of the tour is like uh, the ride home. <laughs> And you're like, oh, that that was a crazy yeah. party, and now I'm kind of depressed going home. Yeah, uh, we'll get that's to, the ticket. We'll get to that though. I mean, it's not much different from the type of punk and heavy music I listen to anyway. So, but do, to here, me, it was nice and familiar. But do you think though, not to shit on a whole genre, that he's making fun of it? No, no, no. Oh. Well, I, that was going to be a later <laughs> topic, maybe. Um, no, just do you think that when you have a punk album that's all fast songs, mm. does having an album where there's one fast song make the song seem even faster? Yeah, it does. <laughs> by I mean, contrast. Oh, yeah, of course, by contrast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of their fastest songs ever. Right? Like so. if this song was on a Bad Religion album, you probably yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't, it'd be, it'd slow. be slow. <laughs> yeah. It'd be and not as like, not as in your face almost. Yeah. But even in, I mean, I've always maintained that in heavier music, you still need, varying tempos and yeah. you need to take the listener on a ride otherwise yeah. like like we talked about if everything is fast nothing is fast you know That's right if everything is a crazy solo then nothing stands out yeah so you need those like dynamics a, like a michael bay movie where you're just yeah, like it's all just i explosions have a fucking headache and, right but i mean they might be giants are great at that they're great at sort mm. of uh, guiding your hand and taking you on a ride and going yeah. different places and Taking you to scary places sometimes. Scary town, you know. USA. This one gets you gets you a little scary. <laughs> Spirit Halloween store. <laughs> uh, 
let's talk about some of the lyrical content. I've got a few little uh, clippy doos. And I do think <laughs> it's sorry to step on that great line. Uh, <laughs> I do think it's a scary song. You do. Yeah. There's well, like okay. Parts well, of you could go. Like, why, why do you think it's so scary? I don't know. Like screaming and demons and poison yeah. and. <laughs> A lot I of guess scary things in it. I guess I, I see it Free feels, the demon. It feels so sarcastic <laughs> from Linnell for me that it, it doesn't scare me. Um, I think it's coming from a genuine place. Really? Okay. Well, here. Well, let, Just like renew my subscription. <laughs> these these intros about the song here that they where they talk very slightly about it. These are all from John Flansburg, um, which, huh. which is yeah weird. So <laughs> I kind of have a theory that Linnell wrote this song for Flansburg to have fun with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's just like when we were in a band, sometimes I'd be like, oh, this is a good song for Dave to like do a, like fast bass stuff and it'll be fun for him. Well, don't do anything for my account. So like what it, have you done for me lately? <laughs> so the thing about this song, I mean, the history of it is it, it's not demoed yeah. because it came late Suspicious. in the process. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think the, the implication we could all gather from that is that they were Linnell was inspired by the making of the album. Mm. It was like. We need a fucking, we just got to rock the fuck out. A rager. Or maybe, or maybe Flansburg said it and Linnell like did it, you know, from their, a conversation. Like we don't know. Did it begrudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I almost feel like this was like a weird gesture to Flansburg of just like, this one's for you to just yeah. fucking go crazy on the guitar. It's not as like, well, there's a little, there's moments, but the, it's not as like lyrically in the sort of Linnell wheelhouse of these like complex stories i don't think i mean I'm, that's how i see it yeah there's not like riddles really or anything or lyrics that kind of go into themselves and are yeah playing around with words yeah as it's, much. it's quite repetitive and, yeah. and kind of straightforward here's the song about buzz boxes and it's called Stop. and then he he also he also phrased it this way one time this was 94 this song is about the little devices at our feet that were stomping all night, and it's called Stomp. So yeah, I, I feel like there's not much ambiguity there, though, except for the fact that Flansburg is saying it and not Linnell. Mm -hmm. Maybe Linnell has a weird secret agenda. So I didn't know, I thought for a while that they made up the term Stompbox. I didn't know mm -hmm. that was actually what a guitar pedal is called. Yeah, an when you, pedal. It's one of the few things I Google in this for this show, and it's like, They Might Be Giants don't even come up for a while in hmm. the results. It's like, yeah, Stompbox. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at it, it's funny, there is another thing called a Stompbox, and it's a percussion instrument, hmm. but I don't think that's what he was thinking of no i mean especially because the vocals are distorted too it's it's about effects yeah so like stomp boxes i see here it's small i see here small plastic or metal ch chassis which usually lie on the floor in a pedal board to be yeah. operated by the user's feet yeah i mean that's the thing it's it's a more straightforward song i mean out of jail was straightforward this is more straightforward but it's kind of inhabiting like a kind of character you know and it's it's definitely not straightforward mm -hmm. musically because, like you said, it's no. like one of the craziest. It's very different. They've never done anything like this before. They couldn't really do anything like this before. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but is, do you think this is a play on Squeeze Box? <laughs> like the Who? Yeah. Uh, do you think it's like making fun of that too? Maybe. You think that's a reference? I mean, that's what I always thought of when I heard this song. I'm going to look up the lyrics to Squeeze Box. Oh, so like he replaced his accordion with a right fuzz because <laughs> the accordion's pedal. like the representation of their they sound. Giants. Yeah, and then it's like no, we're we have a live band now. That's really interesting. Yeah, maybe that was part of the the idea. He def they definitely know the song. Yeah, I mean it's if I know it, they know it. Some of the lyrics are kind of there's no escape from the music. 
<laughs> play, you know, it's kind of like has that vibe in a way. Never gets no rest. Yeah, playing being tormented, all night. being tormented by music. Yeah, yeah. Maybe right. Well, the kids don't eat and the dog can't sleep. There's no escape from the music in the whole damn street. Speaking of Dave, the uh, distortion, yeah. this is like a, a totally bizarre origin for that. This was on the the wiki. John Linnell talks about uh, he he talks about that, and he says, yeah. "Do you ever listen to Indian film music? Nope. For some <laughs> for some reason, they always do this routine where they distort the vocals. It's particularly obvious now that the backing music is done with a lot of MIDI equipment. This is true. We've been mm-hmm. watching this Indian uh, soap opera that we get on live TV." Okay, Plex. sure. <laughs> And it's well, it's, it's very weird, but the music is very, it sounds like a, a little Casio. It's very huh. funny. But anyway, he says the MIDI is very clear, but the vocals still get all distorted. I think it's fascinating. There's this woman named Lata, Ma- I'm going to not pronounce this right, Lata Mangeshkar, who's like 80 years old, and she sings on almost every film score. She has a really high, strong voice, and it always sounds like she's overdriving the microphone. Hmm. We weren't influenced by that specifically, but we think it's a cool sound. At first, the recording engineers flinched when we wanted huh. to do that, but now it's very accepted. Let's check out some of her singing what inspired John Linnell. Actually, that was like a lovely scene. Okay. It's from, so this is her singing. It's from some movie that I, uh, from Wokan Tea, 1964. 64. She probably wasn't 80 back then. I would assume so. So yeah, that's, Interesting. that's an unexpected inspiration. Yeah. Not the first that we're going to get to in Not this episode. Not, I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. Not the last that we're oh. going to get to in this episode. See, when you're influenced by other stuff, you become, they might be giants. That's right. Yeah, everyone. That's a good lesson. Yeah. Embrace. Open your mind. Cult, other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was an interesting influence because it's surely that's not the only place they've heard distorted vocals. Like, isn't yeah. there like... I don't know, like Helter Skelter or whatever. But I mean, maybe that's just how it like wormed into his head or something. So yeah, I wanted to just talk about the general um, themes with this song and the album because I just feel like this is such a natural progression from why must I be sad and I should be allowed to think. Yeah. It's more of Linnell's like, I mean, we can, he, he doesn't have to be a teenage protagonist, mm-hmm. but it's like very teenage you know, being yeah. like, oh my God, this ris- distortion pedal, I can't believe it. You know, Sounds youthful. Yeah, because like, I, if it, I feel like if it was someone older, they'd be used to it more. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of like Kids in the Hall had a character, Bobby, who's like Bruce McCall as this like teen rock guy who's always like rebelling against his parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like it, there's like a a lot of sketches of him just being like talking about how important his guitar is. And it's like when you discover a power chord for the first time. Yeah, that's like in the sort of in the kids in the hallway. Yeah. yeah, and you're just like, oh my god, I can play guitar. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I still can't do power chords, which is weird. I guess that's your loss. So yeah, I I just like I find it I find John Henry such an interesting album with how consistent it is. It's like he was. 
like he was just such in a like state of mind of like exploring these kinds of things. I wonder if there was someone in his life that he knew, the son of a friend or yeah. like, you know, I don't know. It's just Well, I don't think they themselves were that old when they made it either. I mean, old just enough. Been them. Yeah, but when you're like 30 mm-hmm. and it's over. <laughs> like well just like a 16-year-old is like a really yeah. young see. I mean, That's true. That's, well, it's like twice Anyway, what, maybe we should talk about some of the specific lyrics. Blast your missive. Blast you, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I had to look up what missive was. I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit What's it. What's a missive? It's a, I thought I knew. But a message. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't did, know. I did know that. <laughs> it's not a common word. Well, yeah, but it's I guess an, that's it, the joke. It's an aggressive way to say message because it sounds like missile. Right. You know, blast your missile or whatever. But it's also probably a little bit of the TMBG big word. Big, <laughs> uh, big word place. <laughs> yeah. Um, big word uh, style. Yeah. And then we have kind of like a, a self-canceling, tell the wordless message. I mean, a message can be wordless, but I, I think there's there's some wordplay there. Yeah. You know, I mean, like if you, uh, we were just talking about this the other night, if you wink at someone, that's a message. 90% of uh, communication is nonverbal. Yes, which that's is right. probably not true, but... Stompbox voice of fear, pour the poison in my ear. So that's something we have to talk about. That's yeah. it can only be a Hamlet reference. It can only be. And Dave, let me educate you on on my my boy. I know you have it memorized. Um, You're the, a big Shakespeare no, guy from yeah. way back. <laughs> that's right. One time I tried. This was a few years back. I I thought I'm gonna be a smart person, and I started. I'm like I'm gonna read a Shakespeare play. I, I uh-huh. don't know just by myself. Now, I'm not in English class anymore. I'm out of school. I'm just going, it's a play. How hard can it be to read? It's just dialogue as opposed to like a yeah. dense paragraph, right? I gave up after did, three pages. <laughs> did you find it to be very hard? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I was like, well, I'm three pages in. And I don't know what anyone's saying. So uh, that's it. And I just stopped. You got to read like a modern translation. I know, but it feels like so... Like cliff notes or something. Yeah, but the whole point is the language of it. It's like seeing a bad remake of a movie where you're like, well, the point is how they shot it and made it. (laughs) Yeah, but that language is long gone. Yeah. You're not going to get it. So in Hamlet, um, Claudius, our villain, I guess you could call it. um, I don't agree with that. (laughs) It's misunderstood. Um, He kills Hamlet's father in the beginning by pouring poison in his ear. Why not his mouth? It's interesting, right? Maybe it would have woken him up more because he would have tasted it. I don't know. <laughs> I figured it out. Where, um, I mean, if you put poison in the ear, what? I guess it goes to the brain? Well, okay. Do you want the real answer? It's because it's a metaphor for like, you know, like- I want the, the joke answer. People, the things people can say or gossip <laughs> yeah, yeah. that can destroy someone. Sure. Because that's what the play is about. Um, because then Hamlet is told, he's told this by a ghost of his dad or, mm-hmm. or another ghost. <laughs> I haven't read it in a while and I'm not looking it up right now, actually. Um, but so then he stages, Hamlet stages a play where that right. happens to try to make Claudius like shit his pants right. while he's in the theater. Yeah. And they did That's great <laughs> effects back then with the fake shit in the pants. And yeah, they, yeah. And like odor bombs in the audience. Yeah. But um, so then he like in the play, like fake poison goes in the ear and then yeah. Claudius is like, Oh no, my guilt. It's like the telltale heart. He's like, oh, yeah. stop the... Edgar Allan Poe just ripped off Shakespeare. There's a lot of guilt in old stories. 
That's because they were always killing each other. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that problem now. Everyone's, sure we everyone's don't. a good person now. Yeah, what do you think about the fact that he is kind of doing a Shakespeare reference in this sort of teen angsty, silly... I think eh, that's silly, part of the joke. Yeah. I, I think it fits with like using the word missive out of nowhere for no reason. <laughs> he might be, he might be uh, giving missive too much credit, but it, I don't know. I think that's the key to the whole thing. <laughs> I uh-huh. think that's the... Uh, the smoking gun. It's funny. I did peek at the interpretations. This will be funny to you as that someone tried to be like, he's making fun of dumb punk songs, but he's putting in some like smart words and stuff. Right, like bad religion. And then someone <laughs> said, someone under him was yeah. like, bad religion does yeah. that on every song and quoted like a thing. Thanks, person. Um, I didn't have to say it myself. Someone's like, uh, I'll say a fugitoid <laughs> said, let's not say a punk song can include a word like missive. I mean, come yeah. on. Quote, <laughs> phantasmal myriads of sane bucolic birth, direct bad religion quote right there. I thought you'd like yeah. that, Dave. I mean, that's a big one. That, that's, that's even big- like... <laughs> even probably exaggerated even for them. You think the other guys in the band are just like, like, Greg, <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, I'm getting my PhD. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> no. So yeah, that is like a fair point though. It's like punk doesn't have to be. Uh, no, of course not. Dumb. And even when it is like Ramones are kind of self-aware, like, yeah, this is a song about a bunch of dumb fucks in Queens doing right. nothing, <laughs> you know, like sitting in their car at night, you know, going to 7-Eleven. <laughs> I mean, even like, I don't know, another band I like a lot, Dead Kennedys, like they, mm. not that they use like vocabulary words, but they were like very aware of like how simplistic the genre could be and like, sure. you know, turn that on its ear a lot. And I think a fun thing people like to do in punk is like assume kind of like what D Snyder did when he talked before Congress about like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the parent parental advisory yeah. labels where it's just like, if you... If you can use the fact that people think you're dumb as an advantage and like weaponize it, it's like yeah. really fun. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you know bands like Bad Religion, Dead Kennedys like to do. And, and I think that's what Linnell's doing with the Hamlet thing here. He's yeah. just like, ah, you didn't expect like this thing and this right. kind of song. You know? I could do that anytime. Yeah, though it's funny because Hamlet, Fellas. you read Hamlet in like junior high school. <laughs> so it's like, it yeah. is a teen thing in a way. Like it's like a teenager would have just read that in school and then been like, oh, I'm going to reference it, you know? Or like when I did that other reference in that song we talked about. Uh, Howl? Uh, no one knows my plan, you know? Yeah, Linnell does a bunch of the songs on this album. He's like, let me reference this, you know, literary, very specifically yeah. like poems and plays and, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe they're, I don't know, lamenting their uh, youth a little bit and like mm. putting in those references here and there to be like, you know, we had like the young punk thing too, but we were also reading books. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just kind of like trying to dovetail those two ideas. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to talk about some of the music and the arrangement more. Well, so yeah, you, you've got like crazy. Basically, I was really trying to figure out what's going on with the guitars. Like on the left, it's more like staccato chords, like like right, like almost like yeah, cha cha. On the right, it's more big, like like single strums, which I feel is probably pretty common. But it creates a kind of cacophony because one is more like exact and one is more like messy on the right, you know. So yeah, you've got Flansburg does some wonky, like mm-hmm. crazy guitar part. And then 
I used to think that part that they were humming in the distortion, like, oh, really? But I was listening really hard. I'm like, I think I just made that up. I think so too. Because <laughs> it's just a guitar with an effect with mm-hmm. like a flange With a stomp box. Uh, yeah. So, but I, it would have been cool. I think it would have been a good idea. <laughs> It'd be hard to amplify that. But it's cool because if I've, if you do that with that, all these effects, it's like has this kind of weird. Yeah. You kids out there can use that on your next record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Free advice. Yeah. The trumpet that comes in and the horn, well, really a horn section. Um, but the trumpet, there's a, a part where there's this jazzy, spacey trumpet solo and it's like a muted trumpet. Dave, I talked to Stephen Bernstein about this part. Oh, I know you did. And I really love what he said. It was like yeah. very poetic, but he kind of went into like the mindset of what he was going for mm-hmm. there. And you might be surprised to, to learn all about that part. So let's listen to Stephen Bernstein, trumpet player on John Henry. This is uh, the last we'll be hearing from him. I want to thank him for participating. Yes. Really helped elevate these thank episodes, you. I think. Even though I wasn't there, I want to thank him too. That's right. I told I told him all about you. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> I pretended you were there. I was like, yeah. Oh, you yeah. interesting. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Stephen Bernstein on Stompbox. Let's listen. had one specific question for Stompbox, which is, is the middle section when it gets quiet and everyone's revving up, is that improvised on your part? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. what I do. So like, you know, I come from avant-garde jazz improvisation. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. They let me play like what I would play. So like instead of playing, like it's very easy to play something that like everyone would play, some little melody, some little funky thing. But to me, like, why? Why don't you play something like mysterious that has never been played before? Yes. I love that. That's that's why I, I mean I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. Like most people most people don't want that. They don't we don't want some mysterious shit no one ever heard before. There's a reason no one heard it. It stinks. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like the <laughs> idea of just like trying to play a melody you never heard with some other notes than you'd expect to hear. And they just let me do that. And so that's all it is. It's just a little eight bars of like, you know, improvisation. I love it. It's an incredible part of the song because it's such a it's a thrashy punk song. Yeah, exactly. But the middle section where it's quiet, your horn gives it like a, it almost, it feels like a movie, you know? Like uh-huh. it's, Yeah, well, yeah, it's cinematic. It's cinematic. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like just one of the things that like I do, and it comes from somebody like Lester Bowie, who, for the guy from the mm. Art Ensemble Chicago, and just this, like I said, this idea of you just, you create a new zone. Like you come in, and when you get that first note, you've taken the song to a different zone. Mm. Yeah. That's, what, that's a little bit. So it's like you said, it becomes like, oh, I could have played anything. I could have played a nice little melody. I could have played something funky. I could have played something high. I could have played something cool. And I said, no, what I'm going to do is create a zone where you don't even, when I play, you're not even going to know where we are now. Mm-hmm. And you just do that and you like suspend the gnome for just a little bit. And then you get back to the song. It just creates like a, a moment. Yeah. It's funny. When I listen to that part, I almost wonder if they recorded aspects of it after your part, because it, it really feels like they're responding to the things you're right, doing. There's that little, there's a little guitar response from Flansburg that. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, I'm res- like, if I'm responding to that or he's responding to mm. me, but that is, you're definitely hearing what you're hearing is your ears aren't lying to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, well, that's, what's great about collaboration is when years go by and you don't even remember anymore. Cause then it, it's truly a collaboration. Right. Cause there's things I've made with my friends where I don't remember who thought of what. And I'm like, that's great. 
that that's like means we truly don't neither one of us owns it you know well i i definitely heard that on this record man it definitely felt like I'm not just playing parts. Like, no, we were a little band and we had a little thing going on. And it was nice, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I said, it was a short part of my life, you know, but it was, it was was fun, man, obviously. And honestly, yeah, I'm glad to know it was that good. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I know, I know so many people who love the album and who specific, who love it because of the horns, you know, incorporation into it. Right. Which I honestly think they've put horns on other albums in the future, but they've never had that same sound. It is different because it's me and Kurt, and we both come from like, you know, having our own bands at that, you know, I had Spanish Fly, Kurt had the Ordinaires. Mm -hmm. And so we have, we're coming from that sensibility. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So everyone brings their own sensibility to it. So. You know, and then the next people come in and they bring their sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. And and I think also because we're both like kind of of the East Village scene too. We all came up in that same kind of East Village world of like how many different ways can we approach the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what you're hearing. Like yeah. you know, we're all of the same generation, the same kind of mindset. You know, mm-hmm. like I knew them when they I knew them when they were scrappy dudes before yeah. they were like kind of famous. They might be giants. You'd go to a lot of shows every night. I totally remember the two of them being on stage, just two scrappy dudes. And then they and then and they had like the they were, everyone knew they were these like scrappy guys that lived in the East Village and did a song every day that you could call up and they were kind of <laughs> funny and wacky. And yeah, I, I somehow was in, in rooms with them in the early eighties. Wow. Don't ask me don't ask me where or when. Thank you, Stephen, again. What do you think of that, yeah, that Dave? Was, that was really interesting to hear that for the first time. Yeah. No, I feel like the listener. That's right. Yeah. Is it a good show? Would you give it? Dave, give us five stars. I will. Um, yeah. What do you think about what he said? The zone? That, yeah, that was really interesting. That was really cool. It does put you in a totally different uh, headspace Yeah. in the middle of the song, especially putting that in a punk sounding, thrashy mm-hmm. kind of song. But that's what they might be giants do. I, they I, elevate everything. One of those moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I could see like their reaction to what he did. Like if they really didn't know what he was going to do when they press record or whatever. And there's like the buildup. Uh, uh, Brian does this great fill mm-hmm. when things get all crazy again. It's like such a, like one of the best moments on the album, I think, in terms of just like every yeah. ri- the rhythm. Like it's just so exciting. Yeah. Kill, kill, kill. Kill me now. Free the demon. Is he? Oh, so he's saying like it, maybe it's not literal. Unless it's it like is. a suicidal teen. You know like, me. Like Jeremy in the song or whatever. <laughs> I think everything is literal. But, so. yeah. but no, I think he's saying it's almost like a metaphorical death. Like there's no more, let's say his name's Jeremy. <laughs> there's no more Jeremy, okay. the guitar playing kid. Now I'm like a fucking rock demon. Right. You know, like, like he's tenacious like. Tenacious D. <laughs> yeah, like he's had a rebirth and now he's like, yeah. this demon is coming out of his guitar. and it's That's like, how I feel every time every I pick day, up the bass. Every time I take a shit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Linnell does a scream at the end. I have to say, I I, I changed the Wikipedia, the wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, it said that he's saying yeah, but he's not. He's clearly just going <laughs> like there's no. He's not going yeah, like yeah. Yeah, you can really hear that he's just screaming. It just and, sounds like ah. Yeah, like, and I double checked. I double checked the lyrics booklet. It does not say yeah, so it shouldn't be. What does it say? It's just nothing. It's just the last yeah. uh, verse. So yeah, that's definitely he's not saying yeah. Sorry. Well, I, you're welcome, Wiki. <laughs> I wanted to play this for you, Dave. This is actually really funny. Uh, at a concert, they made a joke. They mm-hmm. did a John Henry show on October 29th, 94. And after they I did... I could have been there. 
tell me about it. A- after they complete it end of the tour, they make a joke that now they're going to do the album backwards mm-hmm. and they do a funny, even faster version of Stompbox. If oh, you cool. thought that was possible, check this out. I just thought it was a funny moment. That's the B-side. <laughs> I feel like that captures the essence of Stompbox pretty mm-hmm. well, those like yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, and that time period. That's right, 94. The birth of grunge. The birth of Christ. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> that's, my, that's my grunge guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, New character. That's good. Wow. Okay. Do you, well, let's have a Twitter poll. Should Dave <laughs> keep doing, Is which is your favorite character Dave yeah. plays? Is it, Myself. We've got Dopey Dave, <laughs> Dude Dave, Super Dude Dave, Grunge Super Dave, Dave Osborne. Super Dave Osborne. And Union. you only allowed four on Twitter. It's like a, two polls. I just wanted to say one of the big inspirations Stompogs had for me, mm. um, not in the writing of this song, but in the recording and the, the mixing. Yeah, um, I have a crazy thrashy song called Tricky Pictures. And who told you to flush that one out and put it as part of the live repertoire was that you yeah <laughs> i didn't i don't remember that i would love more memories to be told to me i was like uh why don't we play this live and it could be like a fast punky really? kind of song i mean why do you think i pushed it so <laughs> no hard? i don't know i didn't i don't even remember how i picked a look because i could have picked 20 totally different songs from our normal set Yeah, we like, flushed this one out because i wanted it in there that's great so i made it about me haha <laughs> <laughs> well anyway go on um uh, when I, I rec- uh, this is from my new album, Woke Up Dark. I'm going to plug myself. Why not? We're at the end of John Henry. I think I've earned it. But um, <laughs> Makes sense. But no, so for the arrangement, because of Stompbox, I'm like, I want a trumpet section on this song, this thrashy song, because I love how it works in Stompbox. And then I kind of tried to, I listened to Stompbox a lot when I was mixing to be like, how do you mix like trumpets, yeah. but also thrashy guitars and stuff? I'm going to play a little clip. On, on trumpet and trombone on this song, it's Matt Giela and Tyler Kellogg. And they they sent it to me over email, but they did an incredible job. Wow. And uh, what an age we live in. And this is this this is the big stompbox thing for for my life. Hope you enjoy this little clip. Skeptics say it's reasonable to imagine. screaming murder in a glass of And now we are up to the final. This is a long album. We are up to the final song on John Henry. It's the end of the road. The final song ever. End of the tour. There's a girl with a crown and a scepter Who's on WLSD And she says that the scene isn't what it's been And she's thinking of going home 
that it's old and it's totally over now and it's old and it's over it's over i don't know i don't think it really fits as a last song <laughs> yeah it's not it feels like a beginning song yeah. a track one really it gets you pumped yeah um <laughs> why didn't they start it with this one yeah uh this yeah. is more a b-side okay well to be sincere nah. uh, which is the question uh, it might be the most ending song they've ever done <laughs> on an album i was yeah. thinking is it the best final track hmm. on a they might be giants album we've got rhythm Ro section Road movie to berlin is pretty damn good it's damn good but it's not end of the tour nah. <laughs> mommy <laughs> kiss me son of god great song but it does it have the feels <laughs> it's better than that. Then yeah, song. you've got Roman Berlin. You've got spacesuit, which I actually do think has the feels, and I love it. Does. it. Um, but it's an instrumental. It's good. It's it's fun. Bells are ringing. That's a pretty damn good last song. Well, I'm not going to say my opinion on that. Oh, but yeah, I mustn't talk about the future. I definitely don't think it's better than this. I didn't say it was better, but it's yeah. a good last song. So no, I, I think um, I think end of the tour is probably the 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 finest final song yeah. that that they might be giants have ever done and uh there's a lot to say about it uh it's gonna be a long episode obviously i'm just gonna say it well, well the more you say that the longer it'll get the longer i'm just gonna keep saying it <laughs> to keep padding it out even more um end of the tour I'll, I'll start with very general reaction things which is that for me this was a song that I used to play in my Discman on the last day of summer camp a few years, like two or so years in a row, last days of school. Mm -hmm. This song always had this very like poignant and very uh, intense feeling to me as like, now I am leaving something, I'm looking back at it, I'm, uh, that's it, it's mm -hmm. over kind of thing. Uh, so much that it almost made the song too like too hard to listen to mm -hmm. like outside of that context yeah. <laughs> where I would just it's like special it's yeah it's almost makes me too sad um I can see that. and I'm not even talking about the lyrics I'm just talking about the sound the feel yeah the feel the feels <laughs> the feel of the, the feels yeah, I think it did that for me too I think I stopped really? listening for a little bit it's hard it's hard I have a, a handful of songs that I'm too emotionally attached to and I just can't listen yeah, to that bird is the word <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't even mention it I found out one day that the bird is the word and it, it it's a big day. Yeah. Um, there's a few. I mean, I, I won't even say them because I don't want people to blackmail you to like, uh, what's it called when everyone jumps out and does a big dance at you or something? Flash mob. <laughs> I don't want people to do that to me. I don't think they do those anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this song, just in a general sense, I've, I've always had this very emotional response yeah. to it. Well, it's baked in, you know, <laughs> that's right. And I think a lot of the, what we need to talk about is if that's sincere on Linnell's part. I've got some <laughs> clips where he jokes about that, um, mm. which is pretty interesting. Manufactured emotion. Yeah, because <laughs> he's, um, I don't know, he's a strange... He's an alien he, in a cereal bowl. He's a strange, yeah, exactly. He's a strange cat. <laughs> like, I think Flansburg is sincere when he does songs that are, like, mm -hmm. see the constellation and narrow your yeah. eyes. And that's which I said, why I loved his Apollo 18 work so much. Mm. But Linnell, I just, I can't quite Tell. <laughs> so, um, this next song is featured uh, on one of our records, and I can't remember which one. I think it's the uh, the uh, the um, the much uh, the much discussed, the controversial John Henry record. Yes. <laughs> some people like this record, and some people like this record a lot. <laughs> Who will win? 
So, um, here's Here we a song. Go. Here it goes. It's a song about our lives. It's called The End of the Tour. It's a true story about how we're never going to play any more shows. This because is we're never facetious. And we're always sincere. It's a hall of mirrors of sarcasm. No one can tell what's true. I was like, when I heard that, I was like, so he knows. He knows yeah, what yeah. he's doing. He knows how much he fucks us up. Uh, yeah, he admitted it. I think that's funny. That's definitely the, I think, a part of the goal of the song is to to mess with people a little. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, yeah, so you like the song. I, you said I that, I like right? it. It's a good last song for the album. Yeah. Perfect last song, some might say. Well, I think the idea is that it is the, like their last it's song. It's the end of the tour. That it's like their final, yeah. if there was a final, they might be giant song. Yeah. Uh, maybe because some horrible thing happened. Right. That this would be the last one kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it definitely feels like endings of a lot of things. Yeah. And I don't, what makes, to get more into the, the music aspect of it, what makes something sound like that? I mean, the chords are not anything, it's like E, A, mm. e, it's really simple. Is it the timing of it? Is it the, I don't know what creates that, you know, it's, it's, it's the magic. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I always, I'm always wondering Except what, the mystery. <laughs> what makes a song like sound like the thing that it's going for. Yeah. Like, is it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The synths are very, um, they're very ethereal and pretty sounding. Um, the, you know, piano is always, I mean, it doesn't have to be a sentimental instrument, but it's, it can, has connotations, yeah. you know, of like a ballad and it's like a more, Heart, you know, your very heartfelt kind of thing. Speaking of like where it is on the album, obviously it's the last track, but Flansburg said something that I always found kind of odd. Mm -hmm. He said this in like the uh, Q&A thing, I think the Tumblr, but he said, I really like End of the Tour. I sort of regret that it's at the end of the record because I feel mm -hmm. it's one of the strongest tracks. I hope people notice it and don't skip through it. <laughs> I find this baffling. Yeah. Where else could this song be? Just because something's the last song. I mean, in a way, last songs are even more uh, noticeable because mm. they end the thing. They end the album. Like everyone remembers the last songs of their favorite albums mm -hmm. and stuff as opposed to 12, track 12. Or Maybe whatever. he thought it was too on the nose. I mean, I just was so surprised to read that from him. I Sometimes I sometimes I don't understand, you know, what yeah, I can't imagine people I'm a fan of are thinking. A song coming after that. It can't. It can't. It's I impossible. mean, it's the, it's the whole intention of it. So let, let's go into the subject matter of the song, lyric. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the music too, but um, music's mostly pretty straightforward, but I have a few little ideas about it. The subject matter, uh, I kind of, I think I have a scoop because I haven't seen this. Okay anywhere except something i said on the internet like 20 years ago whoa <laughs> so here's the thing everyone so we all know end of the tour it's like this kind of sweet sounding song it seems to obviously be about a car crash of some sort why not uh yeah let's just say it i mean that's obvious um there's definitely the feeling of ending things and it feels very sweet and sentimental but John Linnell has said that the song was inspired by the book crash by mm. jg ballard um, a book that I read this week. <laughs> to, a whole book? Yeah, I read this 205 pages. I read this whole I'm book. Impressed. It's actually one of the reasons I delayed uh, us a few days. Is that what the movie's based on? The movie in 96. Ah, never so that's saw the that. Thing. Yeah, I, I want to see the movie because I'm very curious. Um, you know, when you read, if you read something and then you like look up the nope. movie, you're like, okay, I know you don't read, but like never learned you read never cared for it you read something and then you look up the movie you're like that's the actor playing that guy right, that i sure. saw in my head it's kind of funny yeah. um, like frodo 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but so uh, I read Crash, and you know, I I, I didn't want to only read a Wikipedia thing. I, I wanted to like get in Linnell's head. This song's very important to me. I wouldn't have done this if it was for like Out of Jail. <laughs> hmm. But um, I want. I really wanted to do that, and I was curious anyway. And you know, I'll read a book. Why not? I'll, I can do it. Hey, it's um, free country. So Crash is like the the most. Well, I'll just say the basic premise, which is even hard to say because it's like a very um, experimental book. Okay, so people don't think I'm just making this up. Uh, here's the bizarre evidence I have. There was a an online, really long time ago, it was like an online Q&A with They Might Be Giants. Someone uh, asked them about End of the Tour mm-hmm. and John Linnell answers them. But here's the, the problem. Here's the rub. Let's go. The audio cuts out a bunch, and it's Damn. a it's a big mess. Uh, it's like very hard to understand what he's saying, but you can kind of gather what he's saying. But what you do hear is that he says the song's inspired by a novel by J.G. Ballard. Mm-hmm. Question: One of the, my favorite TMG songs is the song that is from the viewpoint of the car. Thank you for thank you for asking. Yeah, it's about it's about a car. There's part of it which is about a car. Uh, I don't know how much farther. I can go into it. You know, it's a, it's a it's a pretty oblique oblique lyric. But there's a part of it which is question. Um, you know, it's it's. I feel like a little bit because um, it's kind of about people uh, having you know uh, sort of catastrophic experience um, with one another, and it, that relates to uh, cars smashing into each other in the song. So that's you know. I mean, obviously I. I didn't make the idea up. Somebody else thought of it, and that person was J.G. Ballard. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can kind of piece it together. He's saying, yeah, he's saying the the song kind of gives you like the idea of it's people cra- like clashing and crashing into each other, maybe yeah. in a relationship sense or something, illustrated by the car crash thing. I will tell you a little bit about Crash, Dave. It's from 1973. It's basically a psychotic, disgusting, uh-huh. uh, intensely perverted, m- too much for me to handle. Whoa. Um, too much for you. Really fucked up, just gross book that there's almost, I'll put it this way, there's almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, it's, it reads like a ranting mm-hmm. by like a guy who's obsessed with car crashes. Well, so here's the weird thing about it. All of the characters, no straight man, all of the characters are like, have this fetish of yeah. car crashes and like orgasms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, tell me more. So there's no like outside, there's never, a, there's bar- there might be, but there's like barely a moment where the real world is there. Mm-hmm. It's so insulated as this like, you know, like thing of just like, oh, so then we did this thing in the car and he like the semen stained his pants as I oh. blah, blah, blah. And like, and so the other thing is the way that it's written is so clinical as if it's like an autopsy report. Mm. So it's like, it's a, there's, there's like a million sex acts in the book, but it's name four. <laughs> but it's, it's written in, I mean, at least for me, it was like the hugest turnoff because it would made it so yeah. disgusting where it was just like, I'll borrow the book and I'll let you like, know. Oh, the mucus of her blah, yeah. blah, blah dripped on his bubble. Like at one point it was just like, she wiped the vomit from the tip of his penis and all, you know, like it was so 
This is what End of the Tour is about? Yeah, so here's the thing. I don't want to ruin the song for people who... who yeah. um, it's inspired by Crash. And the thing is, it's funny, is when I was trying to Google this, nothing came up. But what I did find was myself yeah. saying this like over 20 years ago in the news group, saying Whoa. Linnell said it's inspired by Crash. And then that made me go on this other hunt of like, how did I know that? Right. And it took it took a long time for me to find... Like, I, I didn't know this clip existed for a while. So... So yeah, it's it's the one of the most like just perverted, messed up things. And I'm sure there's more perverse stuff out there, but for me, this was like a very hard to handle book. Okay. I'll post some. I post took pictures of of pages that reminded me of end of the tour. Oh, is that what you sent me? Yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, I did send you. Some. I was like, what? Is, I thought you were joking when you're like show research. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was just telling you. Here's another theory I have before we get to end of the tour stuff inspired by this. I think thermostat was also inspired by this mm -hmm. because I was reading, I was finishing it today and there's like this part about like the car heating up yeah. and bursting, mm. like he's imagining it. He's like, oh, the sun was so hot that I imagined the leather, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and he's bursting. And then he also mentions his hands on the steering wheel and like basically the court, the sort of clinical way that thermostat lyrics are, where yeah, he's like yeah. naming the things in the car and he's imagining dying in the car I got crash. got two songs out of this one. I think, I mean, look, I could be wrong, obviously, but it's like, I don't see how thermostat couldn't, why why it wouldn't be also couldn't, shouldn't. part of that like um, flow of inspiration right. from Crash and maybe even other car crash things in the album. They're in the same family. Like what if he was talking about Crash with Flansburg and then they were both Michael started Driver. writing car crash songs, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's a really insane book. I personally found it a very, very unpleasant read, mm -hmm. but it was interesting. I mean, it's not yeah. for everybody. I think the the thing that really got in the way for me is there's just so little dialogue, so it's these massive paragraphs, mm -hmm. and all, and it's very repetitive. There's not much of a story. Um, I mean, it's a lot of it's psychological, I guess, but it's like a lot of like got into a car crash, yeah. we had sex, we went into this wrecked car and had sex. I did this, we did that. Like it's very, you know. It's really repetitive. Mm -hmm. It's funny because as the book is ending, there's like a random line about like, oh, the semen erupted from my... And I was like, ah, getting one last one in there before <laughs> the book ends. <laughs> you just have to squeeze that one in. Uh. There, there are some some things that I'm going to refer to as being like, I think this has been inspired by Crash. And, I, and I'm going to post some stuff to Twitter too about this. But I've, I thought this was really interesting. And it's Man. just the fact that I've never heard anyone talk about this before. And I've I researched this song a lot. I guess this is an exclusive. I think it is. I think it is. It's not on the wiki. Tell your friends. I mean, if that's what you gather from that audio clip I played, like maybe... He, I don't know. He, he I, says, I never read this book. Yeah, he may, he could have said in those gaps that yeah. he didn't read it, but he knew about it. I, I don't know. Or maybe I'm not the first one to do this. Also, J.G. Ballard did it. But I, he I said one song that's definitely not inspired by J.G. Ballard. Yeah, but I, I'm going to go with that. I think it, it was heavily inspired by it, um, but I'm just putting that out there. I, I could always be, be kind of I thought off. it was a nice song. It is. Well, I think I think it's a mix. I think inspiration's interesting. It's like, he's not being like, this is an adaptation of Crash. He's saying, oh, this puts some yeah. imagery in my head. Mm. And mm. I mean, that, mm. that's the one thing, the book definitely puts imagery in your head, but it's like fucking revolting imagery. You're just right. in this bizarre character's head the whole time being like, you're just obsessed with with cars sure. and orgasming and stuff. So yeah, I, I think this book what is- What a kook. Uh, oh, an interesting thing. One more little thing about the Crash, the movie, which I haven't seen, but I watched the Siskel and Ebert debate about it on YouTube and it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, it's like, it, it could also apply to the book because you know, Siskel is pretty like uptight and he hated it. Mm -hmm. And Ebert was just like, well, 
you hate he wanted you to hate these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was like and it's it's a, good art. It's an interesting few minutes. Uh, it's actually like kind of like a lot of food for thought there. Maybe it's the best book you ever read. It's something I'm never gonna forget it. I'll put it that there way. You go. But it was I was really like I really want this to end so that I could read something else. <laughs> Um, it's funny because we like to think we're really uh, down with all this hip stuff, but sometimes things are too much for me. They're just too, <laughs> they're too far. But anyway, so end of the tour. I'm curious to know what you think of some of these lyrics, Dave. I'll pop. Well, them now up. I just have like pus and, <laughs> and semen in, in my head. Mucus. A lot of stuff about <laughs> mucus. So now I don't know what to think. You've polluted me now. It's well. That's the effect of the book. Is what's yeah. weird is it really made me. It made, it made me feel nauseous. But let, let's talk about the first verse. And I, I find this, I've never quite understood what he's going for here, but I have a few little ideas. Do you want to go first? There's a girl with a crown. I mean, I have no idea what this okay, is. Okay. I thought you may, might have had something. Well, I know W, I mean, I read up that WLSD is a real radio station. Yeah. Even though it's a real radio station, those letters, those call letters certainly bring to mind drugs. Yes. I, that's on purpose. Why would they use those call letters? So it, it stands for the names of the towns that it there's like the, oh, the districts or whatever is I know they fucked up <laughs> unless they're being like a little cheeky, a little, a little cheeky. naughty. Um, here's the thing. There is a big LSD scene in Crash <laughs> in the book um, towards the end. The characters take LSD and have this. It goes on and on. As you can imagine, it goes on for pages. I can actually show you. I, I, I took some pictures and I marked them down here. So I think this is a, I think this is a reference to Crash. And I think this is also a reference to the radio station. And I think Linnell is. I think this um, song is a is a lot of melding of things together, mm. which is appropriate because the song's about the melding yeah, yeah. of two things in a way. So here's the LSD part. He goes like, the traffic moves sluggishly along the crowded concrete lanes, the roofs of the vehicles forming a continuous carapace of polished cellulose. The after effects of the LSD had left me in a state <laughs> of almost disturbing something, and then it cuts off. But um, there's this whole section where they take acid and... Groovy. It's a really crazy. I won't even go into what happens, but it's a really crazy. So I, I think that's one of the influences mm. of the book. Um, but in terms of the story and end of yeah. the tour, which were you know is like a different story. A girl with a crown and a scepter. What does that make you? What do you think? So yeah, I just think of like a prom queen. Or prom something. queen. Yeah. So what I thought of is just like it reminds me of just like the Laura Palmer like prom photo that's like the whole centerpiece of Twin yeah, Peaks yeah. and I'm not saying he's referencing that but it was in the culture a lot a few years earlier like that was like a huge show and it's like or like Carrie or something I don't know yeah Carrie is a good one yeah it, it reminds me of a prom scheme. so but when it says when he says who's on WLSD do you think he's implying at all that she's like a radio DJ or she's like has it on in the car or something or do you I, think it's she's just like saying she's this at a party and she's on drugs. You know what I mean? I assume or both, that. Or everything. I assume the latter. Yeah. Kristen had a bizarre interpretation because I asked her what mm. she thought of this line. She thought it was about saying that it was a pop singer on the radio being played. Mm. who was like the queen of pop, like Madonna or something, who was like the yeah, top be. of the charts, which would be the crown and scepter right. thing. I don't know. I, I feel like that's, it doesn't, that doesn't quite work for me, but I mean, it just shows you there's so many different ways you can take the, these lyrics. Yeah. I mean, that would be literal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, well, the reason I think it's a girl at a party is because the next lines, she says the scene isn't right. what it's been. There's more to her story. Yeah. She's thinking of going home. So this part, when he's, she's, he says, or he's saying that she's saying <laughs> that it's old yeah. and it's totally over now. 
I just wanted to play this brief clip um, just to show this is the kind of like stuff that they say. This is Flansburg talking about um, the grunge scene, mm-hmm. saying it's a scene that's over now. Mm-hmm. And this is from 92, 1992. Check this out. He's kind of shits on the- I'm going to be over already. He sh- I know, right? Isn't that funny? I don't he, think it did it even start. <laughs> he shits on the movie uh, Singles. Do you know that movie? I, yeah, but I never saw it. Well, I I'll- know of it. Do the scan of the audience. Like, Whoa. Welcome to the Hollywood Palace, where today's movie premiere is Singles, the exploitative movie about a scene that's already over. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because it's the same kind of language. Yeah, yeah. And it just shows that they're kind of, John and John are kind of very in sync sometimes where they, I, I catch this all the time where one of them says something that's in another one's song. On yeah, but also when they've been doing music for a while already, they've probably seen a lot of trends coming. Yeah, go, yeah. You know? So you're always going to be like this scene, that scene. They were part of a scene that came and went you yeah. know, in the East Village and all that. That's true. Well, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to play that clip and talk about this because, I mean, in a way, this kind of f- finishes our John Henry discussion, which is like... It's it, all over. It does it's totally feel, over. It does feel like this song is being like, it's it's gone, it's done, this time yeah. period. I mean, it's weird. It it, it, it operates on a lot of different levels. I, I, I'll i say, I mean, it's, it isn't obvious. I think it's one of Linnell's best things he's ever done. It's a good song. Best lyrics, best music, everything. It's great. So then we've got the chorus and musically, so you were just hearing piano and organ and stuff. Then at the end of the tour part, this nice acoustic guitar comes in. Mm-hmm. It's some of the nicest like playing Flansburg's done. It's nothing yes. complicated, but it's... Some of the most polite guitar I've ever heard. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing with a guitar. You can <laughs> you could really fuck the mood up if you don't yeah. do it the right way. So I really love how Very genial sounds. guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the end of the tour, when the road disappears. Well, now we can talk about the, the tour aspect of it. This, this song is um, it's on our, our new record, John Henry, but it is not autobiographical. So please don't consider it to be that. There's a girl. Not autobiographical. I remember at the time, I mean, I, well, I, I kind of missed 1994, but there was a lot of posts on the news group. There are some, you could find them where they're like worried. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are they quitting? Blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Sure, sure. Um, I do think Linnell's being a little like sly here yeah. with, he's being a little bit of a trickster being like, oh, it'd be funny to have a song. Like, like yeah, the reason I love To make this- all of our fans kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, like, yeah, this song kind of has everything because it does have that humor to it. Or yeah. There's some, I mean, it's it's a sad sounding song, but there's there's a bit of a joke, like ha- uh, being a band and putting this song out is is funny. But so the thing is, it's not autobiographical, but I do think there's some tour weariness right. in it, which I wanted- It's almost like, dare we dream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk about that with you. So here's the song, end of Here the tour. Here we go. This is, this is about uh, nothing at all. This is not a true song. It's based on a lie. Um, he almost said, there's so many clips where Linnell almost starts to say what a song is about, and then he stops <laughs> himself. I think that was one. Um, I, I don't think the song's about nothing at all. Maybe it is. When I was reading these lyrics, I was wondering if this was just all a big metaphor for, mm. well, this I guess this wouldn't be a stretch for them, for death. Because, yeah. but putting it in musician terms. Oh, sure. You know, like we're all going to be. The end of the, end tour of the tour would be the end of a musician's life. I think that's definitely like there. 
And yeah. I think that's a great way to see the song and it's more universal, you yeah. know, it's not just about a band or some teen girl or mm -hmm. whatever is going on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of, I think, why the song feels so sad. <laughs> we're all going to see the end of the tour one day. It's because, yeah, we're not listening being like, oh, my band's tour is ending. We're, yeah. we're listening being like... There's always a last just, something. I think about that all the time. I yeah. mean, I'm, I don't have depression, but I, I think I often go... Oh, you should try it. <laughs> I often go to very, very sad thoughts. Uh, yeah, uh, that's and normal. that's the thing I always think about, too is the, there's always a last time for something. Um, and that's why I, when I, I remember, I have a very vivid emotional memory of, it was, I, I didn't know if it was my, I don't know if I knew it was my last time being at summer camp. It was a mm. summer camp I, I liked. <laughs> so it was like the second one I went to, the first one I hated. And it's where I met our friend Matt and all these people. And, and it's like, I remember on the last day being like, feeling like it's over, really it's over. And I probably won't see all these people again. And, I don't think you'll miss anything. And uh, it's just like really, I remember listening to this song and just like yeah. probably tearing up a little or something. It's just staring out the window like longingly or melancholy way, you know. So there's some of that in this song. Like I said, baked in. Baked in <laughs> like, a, Oven fresh. like a baked Cheeto. Uh, <laughs> you ever try those? <laughs> or cheese doodles? Of course. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing I think is, is possibly a, the... I don't know if I want to say the joke, but it's kind of it is a joke. I think part of this song is also that it's like, what if they might be giants crashed their bus and died as <laughs> yeah. a song? Like, what if like this is a fictional parallel reality where we die? Multiverse. And Kristen was saying, and she thinks, and that's what he wants to happen because they're so tired from the yeah. tour. So I think that's in there too. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to play you some clips to kind of back this up because they, Linnell, um, mostly Linnell, does a lot of joking around about dying on the road hmm. <laughs> and about fans dying. Wow. And there's, you'll see. So he also jokes about being tired a lot. He Well, I'm going to get to that. So this is the other thing. <laughs> no, you know what? Yeah, you, you, you reminded me. I think this and Rest a While are like, <laughs> uh, as, as you might say, kissing cousins. Yeah. You said earlier. Rest a while is about being tired from a tour. In the second verse, he crashes the car. Huh. And it's like very similar thematically. And when we talk about Rest a while, Dave, I've got a dozen clips of Linnell talking about how tired I he is. I can't wait. But for now, th these are some clips of, of Linnell joking around about dying during a tour. <laughs> and I think it's just like shows his sense of humor. I'm, yeah. what I, the reason I'm playing this is like this is his sense of humor. This is something he thinks about and jokes about sure. a lot. I so. like it. We've got just a couple more songs for you now. We want to thank you all for coming out to the show. We're playing here next week, and that's it. Then we're gone. That's right. That's right. We're breaking up the band. And then we're killing ourselves. So that was Flansburg. Big applause. That's the Flansburg one, um, but we know how similar they are. Here's a great one. For, here's a little thing that Linnell throws in. Guys, we really dig you. Thanks a lot. We had a great time tonight. And this is a song. Hey, we're playing in Chicago next weekend. Come on out. We crashed an album. We crashed into our bus. Here's the song we do. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, the reason I love, I'm like, I'm such a, 
uh, instant fan of Linnell. Like it's the same sense of humor yeah. that I, I, <laughs> I just always think of things so like morbid. that. Um, this is an interview one that really makes me laugh. It's just Linnell keeps going to the well of they might be giants <laughs> dying in a plane crash. And Flansburg seems a little <laughs> disturbed. <laughs> I feel like this illustrates the humor behind, but maybe the humor behind the you song know, there's too. funny and then there's not funny. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we go, because I know we, uh, we got to get yeah, you guys. Yeah, we got to go. <laughs> we got to get you guys down there. So uh, anything, so 1997, it's, you got, you're going to be just continue to tour? We're, we're doing this, uh, we're doing this then, you know. Yeah. The then record yeah, in February. That thing's coming out. And we've got another album that's, you know, slowly being constructed. Uh, we've got about maybe half or a third of it recorded already and other songs coming down the pipe. And then uh, one day we'll put out the uh, Electra B-side record. So we uh, probably won't maybe, see that in 97? Well, you know, who knows? Maybe, no, it maybe won't be in 97. I can personally guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, April... Unless, you know, unless we were to plane crash or something. And then there'll be a flood. <laughs> Right. You pretty much <laughs> definitely so tragic. There'll be a lot of uh, re-release, repackaged <laughs> stuff going on. Beautiful thought, John. <laughs> We're taking a prop plane back to New York tomorrow, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see. You know, who knows what'll happen? And we're going to see you guys in April. Yes, oh, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. He said, yeah, he said yes, no, no, no. and you're saying maybe. I'm just no, saying, you know, if this plane flight goes oh. okay, then we'll be back. In right. We will be we back. We don't want to make any promises we can't keep. We don't know if the plane's going to crash. Right. No, we're touring in the United States in April. Wow. <laughs> I love Flansbury. It's quiet. I don't know if you hear me. He goes like, that's a beautiful thought, John. Like, <laughs> so negative. This is just one more that, the clip that I just found funny. Uh, and it's, it's I, I don't know why Linnell starts saying this, but uh, <laughs> just listen. So uh, we, got, we got like a, uh, a, I don't know, eight hour drive to Scottsdale, Arizona. So, uh, apparently there's this thing that kids do, which is totally illegal and incredibly dangerous called skeeching, where you grab the bumper of um, the car. A tour bus. A tour bus. A Van Hool tour bus. And, um, and you, you're dragged to death before you ever reach uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. So don't do that. Um, anyway, thanks a lot for coming. You guys are super fabulous. <laughs> I think the funniest part of that clip for me is anyway, thanks a lot for coming. <laughs> These guys are preoccupied. Yeah, well that's that's what I'm trying to say is he's he's got this thing in his, his brain that just associates these tours, these these and it is like the classic rock band like kind of myth in a way, or yeah. like, like these bands that have died on tour. I don't I can't name any off the top of my head, but it happened to Metallica's first bassist. My, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I I, I saw Cliff their Burton, behind the music. Rest in about power. That. So this is like a thing that... that Pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> no, it's not a Metallica podcast. It's a They Might Be Giants podcast. Yeah. Um, he was like 26, though. That's yeah, it's crazy. horrible. And but, he had like three amazing albums under his belt. Yeah. It's like, uh, he would have had so much more music. So I think it's, I think it's something that touring rock musicians probably yeah, yeah. think about a lot. Yeah. And so I think that's, this song is maybe like a cathartic, uh, exercise of like getting it out there. Yeah. Right? If you say it enough, it won't happen. That's right. That's right. I can see myself at the end of the tour when the road disappears. If there's Around, and we'll meet at the end of the tour. 
So yeah, the, the chorus has interesting lyrics that are like very kind of particular. When the road disappears, that's like a, almost like a country song, mm-hmm. kind of classic line, you know? But it, it can have multiple meanings because when the road disappears could be like, yeah, because you're driving along it, you're reaching the horizon, but it also be like, well, you die and you just, everything right. disappears. Oh, know? when there's no more interest. Yeah, when there's in their band, in their yeah, music. Because yeah. um, there's a lot of that, I feel like, double entendre. Well, when he says, if there's any more people around, right. when the tour runs aground, being like, is there going to be any fans left? Yeah, exactly. Maybe. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about this song. It arrives pretty late. Um, a lot of the John Henry songs debuted in 1993. This one debuted in August 94, mm-hmm. live at least. So I have a feeling that it was written from a lot of the experience mm-hmm. of touring with like a full rock band and stuff. Right. And that maybe, you know, it, it just it has that timing uh, where it's just like, okay, we've been doing these John Henry songs for a while, the album coming out. You know, like it, it times out to be like towards what would maybe be towards the end of their tour. Yeah, yeah. This to me feel, gives the idea of a never-ending tour. The engagements are booked mm-hmm. through the end of the world. And I never thought about that line until today, weirdly enough, even though I'm so obsessed with yeah. this album. Um, yeah, so saying your engagements, like the venues you're playing, mm-hmm. uh, are booked through the end of the world, meaning just like for the next billion years, uh, they have all these shows lined up. Right. I mean, I think there's just a lot of like fatigue here <laughs> about... Yes. They're, they're That's tourists. what I'm getting as well, Jordan. But th- there's also still cryptic stuff because it's like, who's he talking to? Is he talking to a fan? Is he imagining yeah. like a teen girl fan of his that's going to collide with them? Or is it someone else? Is he talking to Flansburg? You know what I mean? Right. Um, or is it not even him? It's some... Maybe it's his wife. Maybe. I, you know, there are a lot of songs about guys missing their wives, their significant others yeah, when they're some, on the road. I, there's some their good families, ones. Their families, you know, their kids, whatever. So this must be a part of the song you like, Dave, when the second verse comes in. Oh, the instruments come in, it kicks into gear. Kicks part, into gear. Yeah. I, I, I wrote in my notes, it's like a wall of guitars, yeah. you know. Um, you still hear the piano under it kind of subtly, like bashing away. End of the world, so we meet at the end of the tour. Never a very short The way time. I had remembered the song often was like, yeah, then the rest of the song rocks. But yeah. no, it's just this one time, really. The thing that I, I thought of today is like the drum beat Brian Doherty's playing evokes AKA Driver, NyQuil Driver. Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's bit like, of a shuffle. And I was like, was that, did Brian, I almost want to ask him, but I'll leave it a mystery. But I'm like, I wonder if that was in his head at all. He might not remember. But like, I wonder if that was like, oh yeah, like let me do that beat again because it's, not that it's exactly the same, but it's pretty similar. I also think adding a little shuffle in there goes along with what you were saying about how nice sounding everything is. It's like a road song. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're driving along. It has a, a propulsion. Yes. Yeah, I actually wrote that. I said, even before that, the the way the music sounds, it sounds like it's like being, it's like pushing forward. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, let's talk about some of the lyrics. This is what I think is like the crash verse. Uh, sure. <laughs> Never depart since the day we met out on Interstate 91. I was bent metal. You were a flaming wreck when we kissed at the yeah. overpass. This is right out of Crash. I mean, if you read Crash, mm-hmm. you're, I, the whole t- there's so many lines about metal disfiguring, uh, and there's all these. There's one that I'll 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 show you that was really like, oh, this is like the the idea of end of the tour. Well, there's one part where he says he talks about deformed metal. 
I see him in the stolen cars he drove and damaged, the surfaces of deformed metal and plastic that forever embraced him. Mm. Um, there's another part. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah. There's one part that I really thought was like end of the tour. He goes, the crash between our two cars was a model of some ultimate and yet undreamt sexual union. That's beautiful, man. So, yeah, I, and sort of what Linnell said in that shitty clip where the audio yeah. cuts out is that it's like seems to be like that the metaphor of like cars crashing is, yeah. is, is captures a cataclysmic relationship where things are always like yeah. getting fucked up and stuff. It's a coming together of people. Yeah, he says Interstate 91. I don't know that I just looked it up, but it goes it gets through it's like Connecticut. It's like Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, all them places, all those great places. It's like kind of a this big great country straight, of ours. It's almost like it's very straight line going going up the the and down the states there yeah even the line when we kissed at the overpass is very like crash because there's so many times where characters over and over they'll go to some overpass or underpass some like mm. shitty uh like wrecked car lot and like start just like f like fucking in the car fucking and sucking and yeah and it's just like that that line really captures it yeah. the next line also kind of does too though so he says i was sailing along with the people driving themselves to distraction inside me. So sailing along with the people, there's a few scenes in Crash mm -hmm. where the he's the narrator's driving and behind him are two of the characters having sex in hmm. the car. And I was like, is that what he's thinking? Like he's he's kind of escorting these people. The song is sexy. It is. Driving themselves to distraction inside me. That's like a, such a strange lyric. Right? It is. What, what do you make of That's that? That's sexual, right? Inside me. It kind of is, actually. No, you know, I didn't think of that. But, I mean, if, if he read Crash and then wrote this song, <laughs> you know, how could it not be? Well, I, I took that as, like, different voices in his head. In his head. But it also could be, it could be that or or, every, or both. Or, yeah, I don't know. There was a bestseller in 94 called Driven to Distraction, and it's like a self-help book about ah, having ADD. There you go. I wonder if that was, like, part of it. Um, but I also like that uh, phrase driven to distraction is predates that. Mm -hmm. So like, I think he's playing off that kind of thing um, and obviously using the driving yeah. pun, right? I always thought it was weird. The next line is uh, there's a knock at the door, which to me sounds like a house again. But the I mean, it could be a car door. Yeah. So the yeah. reason it was, he says, which was odd. I'm not going to even take credit. Like this didn't occur to me for a really long time. Mm. Knock on the door, which was odd. It's like if you're driving in your car and something yeah. knocks on the door, you're like, what the, f that, that wouldn't make sense. It's so I think it's a way of saying that someone like T-boned into them yeah, maybe. from the side yeah. of, uh, of the car, which that's, is. But that's a very weird way of putting that no it's a great it's a great way because it, it captures the disorientation mm. of it and if you don't know what it means to t-bone a car watch any movie because lately i notice every movie has a scene where the camera is on someone driving and then a car smashes into them from the it's a good way to wake up the audience from the side it's the opposite it puts me to sleep because i'm like i fucking saw that in 10 other movies in the past no it wakes them up I was sailing along with the people Driving themselves to distraction inside me Then came a knock on the door Which was odd and the picture abruptly changed Yeah, so that instrument, there's like an organ mm -hmm. But then there's all the Mellotron They actually were asked this Someone's like asked what was on the tumbler. What was that? Uh, what's that sound in end of the tour? And he says, Flansburg says it's a real Mellotron as heard on many famous Beatles recordings. Ah, cool. So that, that gives it that like uh, unearthly kind of feel to it, you know, strawberry fields, right? Yeah. But it's, it sounds a little different That's, to me. Yeah. Um, and it's also in window. So maybe they 
did both songs. Hey, they had it lying around. <laughs> That's right. It's funny though, because with Strawberry Fields and those other songs, it's like psychedelic, but within yeah. the tour, it's like makes me feel like feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it's like angels Emotional. singing or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like that part, um, just the way the guitars and the stuff, it all blends and builds up to that. And then when everything goes away, like the arrangement of the song is so, it's really like loud, quiet, loud yeah. kind of thing, but in a way that feels like very, um, sweet and not like or you know it seems like intent very natural yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't seem gimmicky or like oh they're doing their weird thing you know what i mean it's like that's the only way the song can go yeah oh god yeah i agree with that um oh god oh god oh one thing i wanted to mention about the line the picture abruptly changed Mm -hmm. why he might have used that phrase there is a big thing in crash one of the main characters is like he is a photographer who's constantly taking photos of mangled corpses mm. and cars and car accidents and a lot of the book is them looking at photos and he's describing the photos to you wow so i was just i know picture is a very common word to yeah. use but i just wonder if that's at all part of it since crash was most likely an inspiration mm. you know what i mean it's yeah. just so I, I wonder if that's word choices on purpose if there's any more people around when the tour You get some of the they might be giantsy instrumentation with when the, the in the chorus when the guitars come in where it's like the engagements are booked it's like dang, yeah dang, the pauses dang, mm-hmm. dang, dang, dang. like it's that is like the kind of Flansburg fun guitar playing but it doesn't come across as that sort of carefree kind of sound it, it comes across it, it all like adds to the emotion somehow I don't know I think it's the way it's mixed like it's not sharp it's not like stabs you know they're, yeah. they're kind of it's everything's more like there's a lot of like, I don't know if it's reverb or something, but everything kind of blends really well. And this, the mix, such a great mix. What do you make of Linnell pronouncing vehicle like that? <laughs> I mean, we're up to that part anyway. This was the vehicle. Oh, I never I, thought of it that way. It always seems really so cool. vehicle. <laughs> vehicle. 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 <laughs> it's going to trip me up. I mean, that was like the first thing that stood, stood out to me. In this really? Song. Oh, That's wow. the weirdest way to say that word. This was the vehicle, these were the people You opened the door and expelled all the people This was the vehicle, these were the people You opened the door and expelled all the people This was the vehicle He really, like, enunciates the hick. <laughs> oh, I hear it. So we just re-listened. Yeah, he, he goes vehicle, a little bit of a jump, mm. a little bit of a hiccup in a way. I mean, it's a very, this is actually something I wanted to talk about, his vocal performance. Because mm-hmm. they've talked about this before in interviews. Like, they don't they do not do that, like, emotive singing. Right. It's a very, I mean, I know it's going to sound like a bad thing. But it's like a very flat, straightforward. Yeah. You see, I hear emotion in it because I, you know, like, we know Linnell's style and we know they're the giants. Him. But, like, I think to other people, like, they wouldn't even hear this as emotional because He's not like, you know, at the end. Of, yeah, but that you know. sometimes seems like a put on, you know, when people do that. Well, yeah. I, well I think that's their concern is they yeah, don't want to seem my concern. like they're doing that. But it's it's interesting. You don't want to sound like you're crying. <laughs> but but I, I think it's it's fascinating that like they, he just, it's like yeah, there's their style, especially yeah. Linnell's style, to just kind of present it as it is without much decoration. Yeah. But the vehicle thing is kind of a decorative way to, to say 
to say that. I, I don't know what the the thinking is there. I never thought of that before. Well, let it haunt you. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about that part. So you know what it's a play on, right? This is the church. This do it. Is can you do the thing with your hands? Open the door. No, I can't. <laughs> yeah, these are the. This is the church. These are the people. <laughs> you're Whoa. saying it like you're like telling someone how to do their Open taxes. Open the door. Oh, no, wait. I fucked it up. This is a church. This is a steeple. <laughs> Open the door. Here's Get the on the people. floor. <laughs> floor look, on the Look floor. at the people. These are the people. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it's a play on this old uh, like church nursery rhyme thing. You know, I don't know it because I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah, I have. I didn't. I mean, I knew it because no, <laughs> me and my I remember like me and my older sister doing that and stuff. I, I actually it was. Yeah, sounds fun. This is the temple. This is the synagogue. This is the temple. <laughs> Open the door and nothing, nothing rhymes, rhymes with temple. temple. <laughs> That's how it went. Mm. Um, no, I, I tried to research this and there's like nothing. It's just because I, I was like origins of this yeah. uh, thing. And it was just like kids saying it at church hundreds of years ago. It was like, oh, well, I assumed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about do you, why do you think he's evoking this and playing off of it? Is it like, what, what, what does this have to do with the story? It's that weird. Is that a hard uh, question? Well, it's hardball I mean, with Jordan Cooper. The nursery rhyme aspect of it mm. makes it creepier. And it's, it reminds me of the someone's in the kitchen with Dinah thing. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. Yeah, it, well, it's like, it, I guess it gives the feeling of looking back at your life. You're thinking of your childhood. You're thinking, yeah, yeah I mean, that that is extra sad. Like if you want to score some sad points, like, oh, remember when you were a little kid and you were yeah. you know, singing this little song with so your I, parents? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of putting a lim- uh, something that evokes a limerick next mm. to a car crash is extra creepy <laughs> it is it is kind of, and it's kind of perverse too yeah. in a way it's avoided it's <laughs> that's per voice yeah i wonder if there's any other ideas there with like the is the religious thing is it have to do with oh your funeral with a church you know what i i don't yeah, know maybe. I, it could be anything i mean who are we to say and honestly i mean to me one of the most emotional moments on a they want album is him singing you let them go i mean mm. that's just like a sad phrase in, in most contexts Letting something go is, yeah. is sad. And he's saying you, I, the thing that you always- expelled the people. Yeah, that's an interesting way to say it too, expelled. Yeah. There's this it's almost song, like vomiting. <laughs> it's like Crash. It's yeah. the way the lyrics are in Crash. Honestly, Thermostat is more like the style of Crash yeah, than, so interesting. than End of the Tour. Yeah, it's interesting. This song kind of pushes and pulls with like it's sen- sentimental, but then it, it gives you these these words that aren't sentimental yeah. really. Because expel is very clinical. Like you, you mm-hmm. have to like expel mucus, you know, <laughs> like the doctor will say like, you need to expel these I'm things. glad you're so on board with the crash thing. I told you yeah. it infects your head. It's really weird. Now, yeah, now I'm all for it. <laughs> After he sings, you let them go. We have this great instrumental section. Another one of my favorite things on, on an album of theirs. It's two Flansbergs for the price of one. Um, it's yeah, it's Flansbergs. He's on the left and right channel. He's kind of doing these overlaying guitar lines, which you know, not for nothing. That is very like indie grunge rock. It like is. That it part. is. This well, th- like I said about Out of Jail, I was like, who wouldn't like this song? Like even if you don't like, they might be giants, right? This could be like Goo Goo Dolls or something. It's great. I love that last high bass note. Oh, oh, that's great. I, I've never noticed that. I always um, hear the the little tom fill that Brian does, mm. and I always um, just the way the Flansburg. It's like the notes are kind of echoing. It's like ding, 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 
man. Yeah, it's I a mean. perfect bridge. Oh, it's beautiful. I wonder if Landsberg wrote that or if Linnell directed him there. Mm. Uh, the times that we've seen them do this live, I haven't seen them do this live a lot, hmm. but if the one or two times, like that part, you can tell Flansburg's like really into it. Like I remember, yeah. I just have a memory of him and Dan Miller doing that and just being like, oh man, this you could tell this part is important to him. Like he's really like doing yeah. it like on the album. You know what I mean? Well, it has such musicality. It's probably really fun to do. Yeah. And then we've got the chorus one more time. And then he says, we're never going to tour again, which I, again, I, I think is, and then he repeats it. No, we're never going <laughs> to tour again. Just like, just in case you thought I was kidding, but he is kidding yeah. if it's kidding at all. I mean, so I, I think that end of the song is, is very funny, but it's at the same time, it's super sad if you're thinking about it in terms of death or this possible story about someone who killed someone else in a car crash mm -hmm. and we're never going to do this again. Or like, that's the first and last time we ever met on the interstate, you know, it's yeah. like, we can't repeat that. There's so many ways to look at it, which is why I think yeah, it's just such yeah. a brilliant, I mean, Linnell says in that clip, it's an oblique lyric, hmm. um, which just is a way to say that there's, it has very open-ended and sort of that the story almost, well, they do this a lot in their lyrics where you think you've got the story, but then a lyric comes in and you're like, oh, wait, I don't have it now. Curveball. Yeah. I, I've always like, I, when I played keyboard and I, I would learn this song, like when I was like a teenager, I would try to find that exact organ sound and do that ending like with like the way it fades. Mm -hmm. it, well, it doesn't really fade out, but the way it holds the last chord with that kind of angelic, you know, keyboard sound, synth yeah. sound. Like I used to just like, I used to just play that by mm. myself all the time. Like, just because it's How like, was that for you? Oh, it was great. It was great. <laughs> it, you know, it, it beat uh, going on dates and yeah, stuff. Yeah, or, or having uh, guy friends either. Cool. There's one last thing with this song, unless there's other stuff. I feel like like it almost feels like we have more to say because it's such a big song for They Might Be I nice. mean, this could be its own episode, but but no. Um, there's one last thing I just wanted to show you, Dave. I thought this was yeah, funny. Yeah, I saw those in the corner there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you write the lyrics down? I so when I was in uh, high school, I me and Daniel, our mm -hmm. friend, who I already mentioned this episode, we got to get that guy in the show. It was the end of They Might Be Giants' current tour. They were doing a few last shows in New York, and we couldn't go. I think because they made it um, eighteen and up. Yeah, and we were both really, really upset. And I wrote. Me and Daniel used to pass notes to each other in the hallway at school. Mm -hmm. I wrote like a parody of end of the tour about how we're going to miss the end of their tour. And then Daniel like revised it and wrote it back to me. Oh. Uh, I wrote, hey, I'm, I've been thinking of a parody of end of the <laughs> tour, like having to do with us missing the end of the TMBG tour. This sucks and it's not complete, but you get the idea. And I wrote like, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I shouldn't sing it, right? But you can imagine the melody. Uh, yeah, you don't have to sing it. There's a boy with some snacks and a camera. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a little weird owl over waiting here. Waiting in the street. I was really sad when I wrote this. But the show is sold out, and he can't get in, and he's thinking of going home. And then I just kind of use the same lyrics because it's old and it's totally over now. And Daniel revised that too because it's cold and it because it was it was like winter because it's cold and it's totally over now and he'll never get in. He's too young anyhow. Whoa. Which I thought was a good, good fix up. And then I went, um, Oh, there's more. Yeah. Oh, there's so much Dave. Our engagements and plans are shut down by the man. We won't meet at the end of the tour. No, they weren't. People checking IDs. <laughs> the man. That's the man. Yeah. Um, the man's keeping you down. Never to see them on tour again. Maybe in 2001, I'll turn the mercury lounge to a flaming wreck. They can <laughs> kiss my ass. Jeez. 
<laughs> that took a turn. I was planning on driving with people, driving themselves to attractions to see. Then came a phone call from my sis, and the picture <laughs> abruptly changed. Yeah, so I remember my sister was she lived in near there in Manhattan, and I yeah, think she yeah. was I, she was going to pick up tickets for me, and oh. she called me being like, "It's eighteen and up, oh. or sixteen and up," because I was like fourteen. Yeah, I got a fake I ID, bro. This was the vehicle. These were the people. We got a phone call that pissed <laughs> off all the people, and they're never going to tour again. And then I said, okay, I know they will, but I can't think of anything else. Besides, it's sad and sad is good. Oh, Daniel changed it to, this was the vehicle. There go the people. I got a phone call. Now I'll kill all the people. Hmm. Oh, angry Daniel. We oh, this was, this, this was good. Psychiatrist. This was the vehicle. There go the people I'm letting go. And then he wrote, or I'll never go, which I thought was really sweet. And then he changed it to, and they'll never tour New York again. Hmm. And they'll never tour New York Did again. he believe that though? Or was it just we were just having lyrics. we were just having just fun. having a laugh. We were no, but in a weird way, we having were goof. We were sincerely like getting out some feelings because I was. Yeah, I actually have That's in my very healthy. I have in my journal too. I was like devastated that yeah. I couldn't see them, and I went there. I tried to get in, and wow. I tried to have a fake ID and everything. Like I tried to get one. It was this huge thing. <laughs> I could hook you up. I know. I wish I knew you. Yeah. I could. We could. You know what we could have done? We could have. I could have gotten on your shoulders, and we could have <laughs> put a big coat on us, and we could have snuck in easily. Well, that's plan A. There's yeah. so many fucking tall. They might be Giants fans that block my fiance's True. view at the shows, <laughs> as you well, know, right? That's the man bringing you down. The engagements are through the end of the world, so we meet at the end of the tour. So that's end of the tour, and that's end wow. of John Henry. John Henry, I I'm, can't believe it. I feel like giving thanks, but I. <laughs> I almost said that too. I was like, yeah. "Oh, thanks, everyone. Yeah. My manager." Well, uh, <laughs> no, no, sincerely, this is a good time. Thank you to the people who donate and to the um, steeple money to the thanks to thanks to the people and thanks to the steeple. Thank you to people who donate money on our on our site Anchor. Anchor.fm slash don't let start. If you love the show and you want to help us make it better and better, yeah. uh, that's that's where you go. It's like a monthly thing, but you don't have to. I'm fine with you just listening for free and giving, <laughs> maybe write us a nice email at don't let start podcast yeah. at gmail.com because those always make my day. We got a really nice one today, Dave. Oh, I haven't even Did you see it. that? Oh, nope. made me happy. Give yeah. us a review. Write us emails. Please, yeah, this is the time Rate to do all this. On Rate us on all the things. iTunes. Yeah, it's like iTunes or Apple. Is that still around? <laughs> There's Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, of course. Um, yeah, give us a good review. It's really, really helpful. Tell your friends. Um, I'm constantly meeting, they might be Giants people, in person and online who don't know this show exists. And I'm like, For oh my shame. God, listen to my show. Yeah. Our Twitter is at Don't Let's Pod. I'm going to post some relevant, fun, hopefully fun, uh, maybe disturbing things from this episode. <laughs> and that's it. We've got to go. Our favorite album. Our favorite album. We're gonna, that's a big damn deal. That's a big damn ding we dong deal. <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk about the B-sides. Some of my favorite songs ever. Sorry to spoil what I feel, but that's it. All right. And then we're going to talk about demos, and then we're going to move on, and who knows what's next. Wait, but Dave, I, in all this in all this hoopla, you look like you've got something on your mind. Uh, what do you have to say? Now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs>